You can say they've been like living with them for like 30 yeah, years. Pe- or associated with people for yeah, 30 years. Yeah, people have been associating with these for like 30 years, I guess, and they just kind of follow them around. And it, it's the thing I thought was interesting is just like their structure. It goes through like their family dynamic and all that, and just like you know them hunting monkeys and. I don't know. I just sat there thinking, like, and I guess we share what ninety eight percent DNA with them is what they say. I know there's a lot. I don't yeah, know but like, I mean, they have all these close ups of these animals, you know, and like their ears, just like the same as a human ear, you know, their eyes and mm-hmm. like mannerisms. I was just like, oh, this is crazy. This I, I feel more connected than I ever have before. Yeah. That's on Netflix. Yeah, Netflix. It's really good. It's a four. I think it's four episode series. Hmm. It's it's a, it's worth the watch. There you like go, another one for you important. to dive into. Well, I just got to the point. You know, we only have so much time. <laughs> yeah. I was going to ask you, what kind of free time do you have? And, and so, day? what free time I do have, or like I need to just decompress. I just, I still can't get myself to like watch a movie. Like yeah. to me, it's like nothing against movies. I'm like, yeah, am I wasting my time? But a documentary, I'm like, yeah, at least I'm learning something. Yeah. Has that been that way your whole life, or is this no, like more no. recently? Uh, yeah, probably. Honestly, probably since. When, when the whole COVID thing happened, uh-huh. started working from home. Mm-hmm. Listen, I know a lot of people suffered, but personally, like, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. <laughs> and, and, and probably me and my wife, like, or my relationship with my wife. Yeah. Which is, you know, I've been married to her oh, 31 years. Oh, wow. Um, we don't have any kids. But it was like, oh, here's an opportunity. Didn't know how long it'd last. Thought, yeah, three months, right? Yeah said I want her you mean like at least another year right yeah no uh, <laughs> but because that's what happened but, with COVID. But, you know it was just like i want to come out of this thinking it was three months i want to mm-hmm. come out of this better than i went into it yeah and so now i got this time where i'm not driving back and forth to work and yeah and that's when i started knowledge from storms and that's when i you know changed a bunch of things in my life you know stop drinking blah 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 well you know three months went to six months went to yeah. two years but, but that helped me like reset a lot of things. So although a lot of people suffered and I don't discount that, like for mm-hmm. me, it was like, it, I was forced. Yeah. We, we were all forced to change mm-hmm. something. And so that, that, was, that was what forced me to do it. And it was a great reset for me. Yeah. So yeah. So experience. now coming out of that, I'm like, I, I just look at things a little yeah. different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was gonna ask him. Mean, I just, I just think generally, and I don't. I mean, you're you're a little older. I'm a little older. Yeah. Um, I just think generally, like my kids. My oldest is he'll be 18 in June, and like I'll go to. A, I, I've been to a movie with him recently. It's the first movie I've actually we went and saw Air with the Air Jordan oh, story, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. Nike, Phil Knight, and the whole thing. And like we sat. Actually, that's the first time I've been to a movie since the the pandemic, and you know his attention span to watch a two hour movie, like you know continually just like pop his phone out no you know so crazy check wow it. see send, i didn't even think of that send yeah. a text message you know like scroll through instagram or whatever it is he's looking at you know check a score of an nba game or whatever it is that he's, <laughs> he's watching and then the whole time he's kind of watching the movie and then you know probably every 15 huh. 20 minutes he's like checking his phone but i just thought man i don't know like this this generation you know youth that grew up with social media they grew up yeah. with having a, a computer in their pocket the whole time like yeah. What, what's their attention span? That's you know? interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So I was wondering if like, and I find myself, I'm I'm that way. Like even, you know, with my phone, like I'm not pulling it out, but I have to like tell myself, Hey, don't pull your phone out and check it, you know, watch the movie. Yeah. I've had to be, yeah, I've had to be really disciplined. Like I, I want, I want people to understand that although they can get a hold of me 24 hours a day, they, they don't have access to me 24 <laughs> yeah. hours a day. Right. And so it's yeah. like a lot of times I'll come home on a Friday 
plug my phone in the charger mm -hmm. and I will not touch it until Sunday night when I call my dad or, you know, Monday morning. Yeah, and that's, that's the way to do it, I think. And there's, there's a discipline to that, that, you know, you have to apply, but you need to be present. You need to be present in your life. I think life. it's healthy. Well, it, it, the people around you, the people around me will let me know that if yeah. I'm not right. Yeah. So I, I have a bad habit of going to bed and then, you know, pulling out my phone and I'll go through and answer, you know, 10 DMs you know, from people and it's a bad habit. Cause then I can't sleep. Usually like I have some trouble yeah. getting to sleep. Cause I'm like thinking about, you know, the answers and I'm, you know, shooting my thoughts and it's just, I don't know when I do it. Cause I feel like I need to get back to people if they reach out, you know, if I can help them out, I would, I would like to do so, but it's just like this bad habit that I've got. Well, see, seeing that you and I are morning people. Yeah. So I try to do some of that in the, my, my in the mornings. I, I will do some at night, but not like when I go to bed, yeah. maybe before I do that, yeah. you know, but like not actually, um, but you know, I'm sure you do too, right? Like, That's, and I'm sure you guys up. have more than me, but you want to, you want to reply, mm -hmm. they add up quick yep. and I don't, I don't want to be flipping about it and just like give them a one word answer. Yeah. No, you want right? to take the time to actually I'd rather not reply and reply when I have time to give them a, yeah. a legitimate yeah. answer than, yep. than just give them some, some BS. I would say almost always mine start out with sorry for the delayed reply. Cause yeah. it's usually four or five days you know, oh, yeah, but, or a week. And or I don't days. know what the expectation is. I don't know people. either. But, yeah. but I, I try to get back to people if I can. But yeah. a lot of times they have really great questions too. Yeah. I'm like that's a really well thought out question. You wrote a paragraph, and I'm going to give you two paragraphs, three paragraphs back. It's yeah. like that's yeah. Kind if of somebody's my style. taking that time and effort and thought. It's like I think they deserve yeah. you know a, a decent response. Do we? Man, this has sparked a bunch of interest in me, but we'll hit promo first before we could dive too deep and just yeah. do introductions. So before we get going too much further, we should we should do an introduction. We have John Barclow. What's your official title? I looked it up. Are you the Sitka Senior Pro Product Manager? Big yeah, for hunting. For yep. hunting. Yep. Okay. The senior Product Manager for hunting. Yep. So um, we're fortunate enough to have you in the office today here in Vegas. You flew down from Bozeman. Yeah. You live permanently in Bozeman now. I do. You're a out, 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 outside of Bozeman, so don't paint me with that brush too too much. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Bozeman. Yeah. So we appreciate you popping in. Uh, and yeah, we're just going to do a podcast. You've been on a bunch of podcasts. As I was telling Brady today, yesterday, I guess we were talking about it, and I was like, we got to try to think of some some angles and questions. Some that we new can, stuff, because everybody's heard a lot. Some stuff we can hit John with. Yeah, you know, we got some good ones, I think. Good. Yeah, we're going to toss your way. I, I, I would appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're going to dig deep. I was telling Brady, I think I'm going to ask him, like, just pull out his phone and see what his last three search histories were in Google. Yeah. <laughs> I could probably tell you off the top of my head. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but we'll yeah. we'll dive into that here in a sec. We'll hit you with the promo first. So uh, we have a Sitka sale going on coming up. Uh, when this launches, it'll actually be going. It'll run till June twelfth. So we've got a Sitka sale on in season products. It's going to be up to twenty five percent off. So like I said, we're going to dive in and talk to you about Sitka gear because I mean that you work for Sitka, you do a bunch of stuff, but. Um, 25% off until June 12th. And then uh, also we're going to hit you with the promo code podcast. Uh, we want you guys to sign up for a GoHunt Insider membership or an Explorer membership. Uh, with your Insider membership, you're going to get draw odds, filtering 2.0, which is the ability for you to filter and find hunts. You've still got some hunt options out there, including over-the-counter options for elk. Elk yep. should actually hit today for Colorado, right? We should yeah, get draw results back elk, today. Elk results, yeah. So if you didn't draw an elk tag in Colorado, you can still pick up a uh, permit over-the-counter, uh, and you can use that filtering 2.0 to really fine-tune and find a hunt to go on. Uh, we've got application strategy articles that really break down populations, bull to cow ratios, uh, essentially everything that you would need to know 
to get yourself out on a hunt this fall, even if you didn't drop permit. Uh, the Explorer membership is our maps portion of our website. Uh, you get maps, you get desktop and mobile maps. You get the ability to navigate infield with offline downloaded maps. Um, you're also going to get points back in the shop, which I haven't really touched on, but one point's one dollar. We like to keep it simple. Yep. Um, every purchase that you make in the Go Hunt Gear Shop as a member, you get dollars back on your purchases. So you get fifty bucks back for signing up for Insider. Yep. And twenty. For Explorer. For Explorer. Yep. So use that promo code podcast. Get yourself a membership. Buy some sick of gear. Buy some sick of gear. Buy some sick of gear. That's that's the main thing. Well, we were just walking through your warehouse Mm -hmm. and I was telling you like six years ago, I I showed up here, different Mm -hmm. building. And I swear like the warehouse was the size of this room we're in today. Mm And to see what it's become is just insane. Like kid in a candy store, you're walking around going, ah, I could use that, I could yeah. use that, I could use that. If you ever wonder where our money goes that we make from GoHunt, it goes right back yeah. to the company because <laughs> we just buy gear right in the warehouse. But you know, you, back you, there. you jump on there and it's like anything and everything you could want kind of vetted, right? Mm-hmm. It's like a yeah. one-stop shop. Yeah, it's only the gear that we use and trust. Like we really yeah. take a lot of time to put the gear to the test. Like we've all made mistakes in our life, bought gear we shouldn't have bought oh, yeah. and went out hunting and had a horrible time. And yeah, gear doesn't make success, but it can make it a little bit more enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah, it's a pretty remarkable little warehouse. The only thing I'm there. offended about the warehouse is that we went straight up. So like, you know, <laughs> anything above eight foot now, I can't reach. And they probably did it on purpose. So I can't just go out there and peruse through and, yeah. you know, look at things. But yeah, it's, it's a, it's grown. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously. Uh, yep. yeah, a lot. It's a big warehouse, but yeah. Um, I want to dive back in. You said you talked about the pandemic and kind of a reset. Yeah. Um, I mean, you look good. You looked, I was going to comment. I, you look as in shape. Do you feel good? Do you feel like you've been working pretty progressively towards fitness? And was that part of your COVID? Yeah, well, you know, I've done it my whole life. Your whole life. I know you have, but you... Yeah, it's funny because I was, before we jumped on, like, when I turned Mm 40-ish, a little after, I could feel like I'd lost half a step. And then when Mm -hmm. I retired from the military, I'd say I was like 44 or something. Uh, I just couldn't keep up with the young guys anymore. But I, but I but I had better technique, right? Now yeah. I was smarter. I mean, let's yep. just be it's honest, dumb. right? Um, now I just turned 54 in March. Mm-hmm. And I'm probably more committed to staying fit and healthy now than I even was when I was like 34. Because mm-hmm. I wake up now and it's like, oh, got that ache, got that pain. And so I've had to be smarter with my training. I've really had to dial in my diet. I gave up drinking Mm -hmm. Uh, that's when i i mean i kind of back and forth but gave that up when covid started and i've had to because i want to do this till the day i drop dead right hunt that is Mm -hmm. and so you can't continue to do that and live up to your own ideals and expectations and the persona you have in your mind of yourself if you don't commit to it and so like i've I've had to do even more now because I could get away with a lot of stuff yeah. when I was in my 30s and 40s that I can't get away with now. Yeah. Um, and so I just expect that this is going to have to continue and I'm going to have to double down again in my 60s yeah. and double down again after that in my 70s and gives me something to look forward to, honestly, is kind of the way I approach it. What? How do you approach, like, I'm interested in, because I do this, like I, I play these mental games with myself, you know, it, it 
there's times when like I can, I, what for whatever reason and I don't know what it is in your head maybe you can put a put your thumb on it but like I'll have I'll have times when I'm like this is this is a hard reset like I can do this and I do it and I'll do it for f- six months you know a year whatever it is it's, for me it's mostly diet mm-hmm. I've never really had much of an issue you know running I'm pretty I like cardio I don't do a lot of you know weightlifting or anything like that but like cardio like I can get up and I can go for a five ten mile run in the morning and I feel fine about it I don't bitch and moan about it at all but like what I put in my mouth is like the hard thing and there are times when I like I can totally do it and it's a hard reset and I'm great and I go for a while and then I kind of like slowly creep back into like just bad eating habits but like for you how do you approach that mentally as far as like self-control and you know diet or exercise or is there one of those that you struggle with more yeah I would say I would say diet is is the the biggest one like I've never had an issue getting into the gym right mm-hmm. and by the gym I mean you know either yeah. outside rucking or running or whatever I, I for whatever reason I've never had that issue but I'm also a person who's very disciplined in documenting what I've done so mm-hmm. that's kind of the anal retentive side of me mm-hmm. like I, I have training logs that go back to 1994 really I could tell you every arrow I've shot on the day the distance what I was working that day broadheads bear shaft tuning going back to like 2003 or four. Wow. Right. So, so I'm, I'm getting my point here, which is hmm. when, when all this happened and I, I, I wanted to start doing something different. Now, mind you, I just told you, I already have this kind of trait, yeah. right? But when I started documenting what I ate every day and there were several other metrics that I would track day to day, it, it, you know, you have to be a little disciplined, but it held me accountable to myself to go, am I really willing to write bag of Cheetos down on my daily <laughs> that's, food That's intake? a really good point. Yeah, you start like, thinking about a, a, it. Am I? Like, if I, am, am, am I that guy? If and like, I am willing, what does that say about me? <laughs> well, and listen, uh, that's not to say sometimes you don't write bag of Cheetos sure. down, yeah. but hopefully you write it down far less than you would have if you weren't tracking that. And so for yeah. me, it's like, Tracking those things along with the other things that I've tracked for decades has held me accountable. And it's like, not that you don't slip sometimes, but you don't slip as far or as long, and then it gets you right back on track, right? So for me, that is really what has helped dial me in. And how do you mean, do you have a notebook? Like, do you handwrite this? Do you have a... So my my training logs and my my archery notebooks are, are all paper and mm-hmm. so every year there's a different year for those right so i've got like stacks of them in my library um the food i track mm-hmm. on my computer so you know i don't need to track i i, I sure i don't keep track of that mm-hmm. year to year do you use like an app on the computer or are you just I, using like I, excel or i like don't docs? I, I think i probably need to at this point the apps are really really slick I yeah no and i've lot. looked at a couple recently i just haven't like pulled the trigger on them yeah. but yeah brady was showing us he's got one that he just he can literally take his phone and take a picture of, of the barcode yep take a picture of the barcode, the barcode it'll of the tell product you what, everything it'll yeah. tell you how many calories it'll tell you you know yeah. all the breakdowns yeah. the so pro- what, I, what i did for that to touch on that briefly is i can enter in all my backcountry food so i have mm-hmm. a meal basically i built it in this app called my fitness pal that's just my backcountry food. So all this, all the barcodes I take a picture of, and it basically just breaks out then my whole macro breakdown of exactly what I take in my backcountry hunt. So I know exactly the fats, exactly the carbs, exactly the proteins, and it's just easy. Yeah. And then if I want to do a different one, I can do 
you know, backcountry meal plan two or whatever it is. Love and to start modifying it and playing around with yep. it. And it's really visual and easy to see like what I'm taking and then going back and looking at later, like you said, the note taking, I can look back and like this worked or this didn't work. I want to modify this. I took too many carbs and need a little bit more protein. Like it's pretty cool what you can do on, with the technology now with all those different apps when you're tracking things. And, and it's so important, mm -hmm. right? So like the day to day, mm -hmm. I, I think the day to day is crucial, right? At this point. Um, or at least at this point in my life. But when you're going to the backcountry, like you said, you know, and I've talked about this a bunch, but it's like, that's when it like, potentially life and death, yep. right? Mm -hmm. At a minimum, success and failure of your hunt, mm -hmm. or, you know, your level of enjoyment. Um, and so in being able to do that, and, and everybody's going to be, like, I guarantee you, you and I are completely different in meal plans when yeah. we go outside, right? Doesn't mean one's right or wrong. Nope. Yep. It's whatever works for that person, right? And then that can change by environment or you know mm -hmm. whatever that is, cold, altitude, yep. whatever. But yeah. Do you have do you have da daily training logs back to ninety four? Is that what you said? Yeah. Every day. Every you, day. Do you write down what you did that day as e far as like every day. Yep. And then that's so cool. And then I take it one step further. So my 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 kind of holiday ritual mm -hmm. going into between Christmas and New Year's because that's the end of the year. Yep. Then everything is tallied, and then those yearly tallies are entered into a spreadsheet I've got. So I could tell you, um, you know, days lifted, miles run, uh, meters rode, everything you know, and then that's all racked up. And, and it's fascinating to, you know, I didn't do that right away, but mm -hmm. after several, and it's fascinating to go back and look and it's like, you could see like, if you kind of can think back and you're like, oh, when I was in my late thirties, like mm -hmm. I was more into this and you could see that trend, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then you think back about, you know, how you were performing or what you did and, and yeah, what worked, what didn't. How long do you think that actually takes you per day to do that? Because it sounds like it's overwhelming, but I'm sure it, you got it, it down to a science. It's pretty easy. It's five, five, five ten yeah, minutes Yeah, you're just like day. Re recouping the whole day, yeah. Yeah, hmm. so normally I'll get up like early. Mm -hmm. That's when I'll try to do like DMs and, and do some mm -hmm. writing and things like that because, you know, the house isn't up and yeah. moving. Um, try to get a workout in or shoot or whatever. Uh, but then in the evening at the end of the day, then that's when I just track that stuff before I go to bed. Right? Do you, so. do you, I'm curious, do you journal? Are you a journal? No, no, mm -mm. just, just keep track of your workouts, yep. your, your arrow yep. shot. I'm not like dear diary. Have, yeah. No, not like that at all. Yeah. That's, that's I'm not, interesting. I'm not gonna lie. I don't know I'm, if I care about what I think at the end of the day. I just what, want to know what I did. You know, what's really interesting. <laughs> yeah. Brady and I went on an odd ad hunt in Texas and we stayed at this little house and there was a, a lady that I guess that had owned the house and she lived on the ranch and she would go out by, I guess she lived there by herself most of the time. Yeah. Right? By herself for a long time. Yeah. And, uh, she had logs of, you know, books that she'd kept there. And the one night we sat, when we got back to, I think we, we killed and we'd hiked back out yep. and we sat down, we had the evening kind of had everything put together and packed and we sat down and we just kind of flipped through and like, we're reading through it. It was so cool. It was honestly like one of the coolest things about that entire trip was just to like, she wrote down you know, everything, including like what she'd seen that day for deer, you know, if she'd seen mm. some sheep. Yeah. She'd cattle got out. We cattle had, got out. Joe, Joe came and visited. He brought his kids or whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah. Had a, everything down. had a barbecue the one night, but like, yeah. it was super cool. Yeah. And like, I know for me, it's interesting that you bring that up because I think that's a good tool. I mean, I, it's not something that I've ever, I've never done by any means, but. Well, it took me, you know, took me into my early fifties to start tracking the food, mm -hmm. but, but it's crazy how much it's helped. Yeah, I can imagine. It's crazy how much it's helped. And then I just, 
I have a certain metric I hold, I try to hold myself to a mm-hmm. day. And so most of the time I do it. Yeah. Sometimes mm-hmm. I, I splurge and sometimes I don't even come close to it. But overall, if you just, and then, you know, that's. When, when you first started, did you have to make yourself or are you, per, personality wise, are you like more inclined to be, to, I think to personality do that kind wise, of I'm kind of inclined to it. But, you know, like most people, you still have to do it. Mm-hmm. It's like, um, uh, so my, my, my wife, Jules, she, we were talking about, you know, like taking collagen, right. Mm-hmm. Cause it's good for joints and things yep. like this. And so I started taking it and I don't really, let's just say I've been doing it for just three weeks now, but, um, she'll ask me, she'll say, Hey, did you take collagen? Cause mm-hmm. she wants me to take it for a workout. And I'm like, Nope, haven't done it 21 days yet. It's not ingrained in my, in my routine. Yeah. yeah. Once it's ingrained in my routine, like, I'm good to go. Yeah. And, and I can carry that. Like when I travel, mm-hmm. but you, you know, like we travel, we can travel a lot during different periods yeah. of our day or uh, sorry, our year. That's where you have to like be a little more disciplined in it. Right. Mm-hmm. But I literally carry a wet notes pad and a pencil out in the field to, you know, pros and cons or what worked, what didn't, you know, mm-hmm. what would I bring? What wouldn't I bring? You know, all that. And so that's when I'll just put in there like, and I don't really care about the food. I mean, I care about the food when I'm in the field, <laughs> yep. but I've already documented you already that. Got so I don't it. really so need to talk about it anymore. I don't really need to track that. I'm just eating to eat right at that point. But, um, so it's gonna... a little different, but I come back, I get right back into it. Yeah. So I, yeah, I, I think it's definitely personality can drive some of that, but it's, it's a tool that if you hold yourself accountable mm-hmm. to, like I, I, I say this at work all the time. Matter of fact, I've been quoted now because in, in my line of work, everybody's line of work but in my line of work like there's more calendars and you really know what to do with and so you'd think i'd be like you think i'd be like totally down with calendars with what i just told you i do in my personal life i'm not down i hate calendars (laughs) right um but i i but i but i tell people like we have a calendar a calendar is only as good as a discipline you apply to it yeah right so it's like you can make yourself feel good that you got all these things but if you don't use them it's like what's the point you know (laughs) I'm not gonna lie. I'm really inspired to like try to do that now, like to document everything. Cause I'm pretty psycho when it comes to like documenting my th- stuff. Cause like I could open up, like you said, you track every arrow. Like I could open my open up my rifle books. I, I, I guarantee you, you could open up your rifle books. You know the loads you're shooting. I know and, exactly how yeah. many rounds I shot. Seven rounds this day. The next day I shot 15 rounds. Yeah, what type what of the practice winds were, it was. the temperature? Like, yeah. I dial it in like that. Every, yeah. every rifle has a book, but I don't go like you're saying, like training or the the lifestyle with it. Like yeah, I track my workouts yeah. to some degree, but. I don't do to the level that you're doing. And like you say, it takes five minutes. Like I have five minutes all the time. I can make up five minutes to track yeah. that. Well, and if and you make cool it convenient, right? So like if you have the book or do it on your phone, right? Whatever, yeah. or in the app, and then you just do it enough days in a row. And then you start, then you just start to do it. Like I've got, you know, and, and this was, this was something I learned back, you know, when I was in the Navy, but the, these lessons learned, right? So you'd go do something, you, you, you'd brief, an evolution, you'd go do it, you'd come back, you'd debrief the evolution. And then say if it was uh, maybe not day to day, but you know, uh, week to week or operation to operation, and then you'd formally write, or sometimes the officer would write, uh, a lessons learned where he'd gather all the lessons learned from everybody, right? Mm-hmm. And you'd put them in a document. And then other people, to your point with the, mm-hmm. the woman on the ranch, you could go and, and, and it became digital, of course, you could go and go, okay, somebody went there, somebody went and did this, or somebody went and dove there. Like, what did they do? What did they learn? What, what, and then, 
So I started doing that with my hunting. And so mm-hmm. then over time, it's like you could go back and track and say, hey, I made that same mistake mm-hmm. three times, you know? Yeah. And so like when I go, when winter starts and I go starting to do my little winter trips, sometimes I got to go back. I've been doing this a long time. And sometimes mm-hmm. I got to go back and go, oh yeah, don't make that mistake again. Yeah. Oh yeah, don't yeah. make that mistake yeah. again. And you will, mm-hmm. but if you make less of them is really the goal, yeah. right? Um, do you make a point of like before you go out on a hunt of revisiting your notes from other hunts? Uh, no, normally, so normally prior to the season, but if I'm going somewhere like I haven't been in a while, you know, like say, I don't know, just pick one, like Colorado. Like mm-hmm. I haven't been back to Colorado in a long time or Kansas maybe is a better idea because I might go to Kansas. Um, I'll, if I have those notes, I'll pull those mm-hmm. and, and, and look. You know, a lot of times it's gear related sure. or season related or, you know, cause mm-hmm. I'm generally not going back to the same area, Yeah, yeah. but it's like the same environment or type of hunt or season. Um, yeah. I think that kind of stuff would be awesome to have. I mean, if you killed an animal on a certain day, time of day, you know, the situation, the scenario, how it worked out, I think that'd be valuable. It would yeah. be, I mean, I would, I'm not very good at writing down, you know, even dates. I have to go back through my phone and look at a picture to be like, okay, I think what, yeah. what, what day did I kill that animal? I think it'd yeah. be a pretty cool thing for you guys to build into Insider. That would be cool. Yeah, that's a, a good, little, good little, little nugget section, right little there. Track well, section. I mean, everything else is there. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I used to be big on, uh, like you said, taking like a right in the rain notebook because I worked for the government. I was doing a lot of that, like tracking all the fish we were catching and measuring them they all. They kind of make you right. Oh yeah. We wrote yeah. all the time. And like I was for a while, I, I do know I have photos of when I was like elk hunting back in the day in Montana, I would write down exactly when I saw a bull, what he was doing, all that stuff. But like, it wasn't a routine to me. I never kept up with it, but it's yeah. like, you're basically doing that. And like I said, now I, if you could look back at those information, I could probably piece together a puzzle, even though I haven't elk hunted in years, but I could probably go back to look like what worked, what didn't work and just analyze my hunt and then use that for future hunts. Yeah. I, I wished I had some of that data for places I did go back to. And I, I didn't know guys that have, especially whitetail hunters, right? Oh, I'm sure whitetail They're hunting are. the same properties yeah. on this wind, right? This stand or this buck on this day. And like with trail cam data, like there, there's ways to do it. It's a, Probably yeah. a little more difficult. It's Western probably like hunting. a college degree right there. It's like <laughs> the amount of effort you can go and do in like trail yeah. cam reporting and whitetail sightings. And yeah, it probably is. If you dove down that rabbit hole, there's probably all, all kinds there's of things so that, you, that, that, that you could glean. Yeah. Whereas well, I think a lot of people, myself included, I'll throw my name out there. I just go out and I'm like, oh, I'll figure it out. I got 10 days. I'll figure it out. But how much quicker could I be or more yeah. effective could I be if I had, you know, well, things, listen, things we, documented? You know, part, part of the joy of hunting is going out there and just having the freedom sure. to have 10 days to figure it out, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm not saying you have don't. to be, you know, this hyper-disciplined person. But this is, you know, the term I've applied to the whole thing is like, be a student of the game. Yeah. So it's like you don't have to do what I just described or, or, or you, you do with your food. But the point is, it's like, if you really want to get better, if you really want to up your, your, uh, your knowledge, right. And your capability and, and kind of, you know, hunt with the big boys. It's like, there's effort that goes into this. It's, mm-hmm. this isn't just some random thing yeah. that, that just happens. It's like, there's a, whatever the process is, but there's a concerted effort, right? And there's, there's a studious approach to it that, that helps people get there. And, yep. you know, it's taken, maybe I'm, I'm probably a slow learner. It's taken me That's decades. That's what I mean. I'm, 40, I'm 44. And <laughs> I I'm, need every advantage I'm I can get. I'm 44 and I just heard it today. <laughs> I need every advantage I can get, man. So. Yeah. No, that's a good tip, man. I, 
I think it was that was worth the the rabbit hole. I, just I've talking never, about. I don't it think I've ever talked about that. Yeah. Before, really. I think I think it's interesting because I'm I'm always, uh, you know, I get by. And I'm like, yeah, I get by, you know what I mean? But I'm, I am looking for ways to, you know, tighten, tighten it up and just be a little bit better. Yeah. But, but you know, it, I'll circle back. Like I could get by too, mm-hmm. but at 54 yeah. and it started before that, the, the, the getting by is, is less and less the window or gets more narrower. difficult. Yeah. And so it's like, don't be a victim, take advantage of what you can yep. control. And so that's how I've kind of approached it right now. Yeah, I'm feeling it. I've noticed, I, I was telling, I think Lorenzo, when I was down here last week, it used to be like I go out and do, I'll do a trail run. I've got a trail system there by my house and it's got different loops. I can run five or seven nice. or 11 or whatever it is. It used to be like I would never fall ever, like barely. I might fall twice a year. Like I'm lucky now if I don't like <laughs> take a full on, just eat shit at least once a week. And that's just... I mean, it's catching a toe on a rock or sagebrush or whatever yeah. it is, you know, and then I roll over there and lay there and my dog comes and licks my face and she's like, what are you doing? But nobody ever shares that yeah. on Instagram. Nope. No one yeah, ever no, talks yeah, about that moment. Yeah. I don't, I don't even usually pack a phone with me, but, yeah. Uh, but yeah, to your point, it's just, you know, my, my, uh, you know, my flexibility, I'm just not as nimble as I used to be. I just, you know, hand eye coordination, foot coordination just isn't what it used to be. So I think, I think you're right. I mean, I look back at my thirties and I'm like, yeah, I just can't do what I used to do. So you, I, you do have to explore and find ways play, to, to play tighten smarter, it up. Smarter, not harder yeah. kind yeah. of deal. Yeah. yeah, that's it. Um, I was going to ask you, so how long have you been at Sitka? A little over eight years now. Eight. Yeah. Man, that went quick. Uh, yeah, it did. Time flies like, these days. Crazy fast. Yeah. And how long you were in the military before that? Yeah, for 26. As a diver? Is that what you said you started out? Yep. Did you get in the military? I don't. Have you ever talked about this? Like how you got into the military? Um, j- just recently on uh, on the Josh Smith oh. podcast. Are you okay with talking about it? Yeah. You're good. I'm, j- I'm just curious. Like when did. I, man, I hadn't talked about it ever and like even yeah. thought about it for a long time like my short my, my long-term memory isn't as good as my short-term memory. yeah i have early early yeah. onset alzheimer's that's what yeah. i say yeah <laughs> yeah names don't come quite as quick yeah, as no. they used to no i mean how did you when did you join the military and you were in the navy yeah so i i, I think i always wanted to do it like i always i thought you know like any kid like you want to go play football or whatever yep. be a fireman but uh, i always kind of knew I wanted to go into the military. I won't be, you know, I won't be all poetic and say it was about service to others and this kind yeah. of, I, I don't know if I knew any of that, to be did quite you have, honest. Did you have family in the military? My, my dad was in the okay. military for a short period of time. But to me, what I was seeking, and so I, I tried to go into the Naval, I tried to, uh, I applied for the Naval Academy when I was a junior. No chance in hell I'd ever get accepted. In high school? Right? Yeah. I barely made it through high school. <laughs> really? Yeah. You, uh, didn't get, you didn't get good grades? No. If it wasn't for sports, like I probably wouldn't have made it through high school, right? Mm. So I was like, oh, I'll go play football. That's what I wanted to do. Um, went to Northwestern for a very short period of time. That didn't work. Like I, I had already had a couple knee surgeries. And like at the end of the day, I was like, I want to go into the military because you have a, a very short period of time to do that from mm-hmm. an age perspective. Mm-hmm. And really what I, when I look back, what I was seeking is as, as much as the service and, and being a part of something bigger than yourself, all that, that everybody says, like I was seeking adventure. I wanted to get the hell out of Cleveland, Ohio. I wanted to go see the world. I wanted to go have some badass adventures. Yeah. I wanted to 
begin to write my story. And so that's really what I was seeking. And so when I made that decision, I went and talked to the recruiter and two weeks later I was on a plane. Really? And never looked back. And honestly, would I do a few things like in between, like intermediate, a little different? Yeah, maybe. But I'd do it all over again. Like I'd do it all over again. And the reason I, you know, I'd probably still be there if one, I could physically do it. Hmm. And two, it wasn't, you know, such a, a toll on, you know, the family, but, yeah. uh, but I loved it. I can't imagine you did much diving in Cleveland. No. <laughs> I mean, I, I so, learned how to dive in Ohio somewhere in some quarry, but really, yeah, but I just wanted to go, man. I, for some reason, San Diego, you know, San Diego, it's like yeah. sun and maybe yeah. not if you live here in Vegas, but where I grew up, it's like, I'm sick of the sun, sun in and Vegas. girls on beaches yeah. and bikinis and you know, yeah, that's pretty good. pretty appealing to me. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So you, I mean, diving, were you, I mean, how did that work? So you go into the Navy, you go through basic yeah, you, you, and all Yeah, everybody all that. goes to boot camp, and then I had to do a, um, a school. So uh-huh. it, everything's, the military changes quite often, you know, every couple of years. And certainly 30-some years ago when I came in, it's different than it is now. But you had to go to a school. Um, so I picked photography school. <laughs> Nice. Because it was the shortest and seemed like the easiest course to get through. So I did that. And then uh, in in the process thereof, I I had to do these screening tests. And so then I went to my first dive school. Um, Wanted to go to San Diego because all this happened, all that, what I just described, happened in Florida. Okay. Uh, But I still had not gone to San Diego yet, right? Florida was a step up. But yeah, it you were hellbound to get to San Diego. It wasn't you San Diego. It. Yeah. So Beachy. then they 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 kind of give you this false illusion that you can kind of tell them where you'd like to go. Mm. Not that there's a guarantee. And I'm like, and you get three choices. And I put San Diego for all three choices. <laughs> Didn't care what where I went in San Diego. I just yeah. want to go to San Diego. All three choices. That's a good tactic. <laughs> and I ended up in the Philippines. <laughs> really. <laughs> yeah. They were like, which uh, which I I didn't know this at the time. Uh, I'll, I'll circle back on that in a minute. I didn't know this at the time, but that was the single best thing that ever happened to me in the 26 years I was in the military. And, and the reason is because uh, even though I flew right over San Diego on the way, the, the, the unit that I, that I got to, the, the, the group of folks that I worked with, um, very small group, very tight-knit, very experienced. I was... It was me and another guy were the, the, by far the most junior people there. Mm. Like we were essentially a year into the Navy. And I'm at the time, because this is 1989. Yeah, this was 1989. Um, you know, a lot of these guys were at the end of their career. They were Vietnam vets. Mm-hmm. They were very senior. They, they didn't necessarily want to go diving anymore. Either they couldn't physically do it or they just didn't want to do it. And so not only did we get opportunities that, we wouldn't otherwise have gotten at that at that yeah, junior yeah. stage mm-hmm. in our life, but we got so much experience. Like literally, and I, I used I have some of the logs from the Navy, but at a certain point I, I lost track. Um, you know, we were diving on average six days a week. What does it entail when you're going diving? Six hours a day. Like, so yeah, at, yeah, at that yeah, well, at that well, particular well, command, it was very diverse. But generally speaking, uh, because you were in the Philippines, you were kind of way out in the in the South Pacific. Um, you would you would dive on ships and submarines that would come in from like uh, say they were coming back from the Persian Gulf right so they they'd come into port 
I remember one hit a whale. I remember one had come in that <laughs> and, and crushed the whole front of the, the, the bow underwater, like yeah. where the sonar was. Um, and I don't remember the name of the ship, but one had come in, like it hit a mine and blew a whole huge hole in the side and like it killed some what? people. Like submarines needed to be swam uh, underwater from front to back. So you're kind of bow just to inspecting it? Uh, yeah, before and, before and after they left and, and all this kind of stuff. But we did body recoveries. We did picked up helicopters that had crashed and, and different things like that. Wild. So it was really, <laughs> really diverse. I, I ended up, I got to go to Vietnam and, and uh, do a, um, like, look for POWs. Or not, not POWs, uh, missing in action, right, uh, in this big lake right because yeah. i was a photographer sure they just assumed yeah that i could take pictures, take pictures. underwater yeah <laughs> i took pictures underwater i i don't ever know if any of them ever came out because it was film yeah and yeah, yeah, yeah you yeah. never got to develop it you just gave them the yeah. film and i for all i know i did all that and never even had a picture worth looking at but huh. um, but it was really really diverse um and so i just got so much experience but but the thing i learned is and, and really come to appreciate it is working with small teams. And so mm. that's kind of been the trajectory of my whole life. And that's really one of the things I realized what I was seeking when I got out of high school, right? And, and I thought football would give that to me is like this team atmosphere, this camaraderie, mm -hmm. like working with people with, with a, a common goal and, and um, you know, a, a certain uh, work ethic and things like that. And so I got that. <laughs> um, tragically enough, so when I left there, that was a couple years. That's when I met my, my wife. Um, I went to my second dive school, and then, but tragically, this, the second command I went to was almost completely opposite of the first. Hmm. And so it was really, and I've had a, I had a great career, but it was the lowest point of that 26 because it was a very, it was a larger command, and even though we had small teams within that command, which I was on one of them, um, the leadership was absolutely horrible. They were very selfish, self-serving, uh, didn't care about the guys. It was all mm -hmm. guys back then. Mm -hmm. um, and I hated it. <laughs> like, I, I love the job. I love when I was deployed. I love when we were, you know, yeah. diving and all that, which I tried to do as much as possible, but I didn't, I didn't like that atmosphere. Yeah. And then through... Um, uh, interesting set of circumstances and, and actually my wife had something to do with it. Um, that's when I transferred from there and I got into the SEAL teams, which started a 20 year run with me working with the SEAL teams. And I went over to a training command and started with my diving experience. I started teaching um, platoons how to get in and out of submarines underwater. So this was a thing, a little bit, little bit different then than it is now, but this was yeah. a thing that they did. And we had a huge 50 foot tower that was probably 20 feet across uh 50 feet of water had you know portholes uh -huh. in it where you could see from the bottom to the top and and we would teach we had a, a simulated submarine it's called escape trunk and we would teach people how to get in and out of water out of the submarine underwater how to get their boats all rolled up their their uh their outboard motors and all their all their weapons in and out of water and then we'd go down to puerto rico and actually on occasion we'd do it yeah. or be there with them while they were doing it um, so that started that part of my life but again small teams yeah. dedicated but at that point like what i what i really came to have always appreciated about the seal teams is uh 
you know, just that next level of work ethic, right? That next level of dedication, like zero, zero excuse kind of mentality, mm-hmm. like winning is the only thing that matters. Um, and, and the other one was if you had something to offer them, a skill set, whatever it may be, and they, they needed it or they were interested, they, they'd give you the opportunity. Hmm. And so uh, anyways, so then that's when I transferred to uh, finally got to San Diego. Finally got to where you wanted to <laughs> I went to, go. to a SEAL team in San Diego. Did it live up to your hype? It did. Uh, my <laughs> wife and I lived on Coronado for like six years. It was absolutely that's wonderful. That sounds I pretty nice. Rode my bike to work every day. It was insane, like right on the beach. Um, and started working with them, started running that, the, the, the diving side of the house there, uh, and doing all that. But then I didn't know if I was going to stay in the Navy or not. And so I, I had this other crazy idea that I wanted to be a mountain guide, Mm -hmm. like climbing guide, skiing guide, mountain guide. Is that something that you were interested in Uh, while while you were diving and doing that? Or was it? Yeah, a little bit, but I didn't, but I had never really been around mountains. Yeah like to fully like kind of embrace it. Mm-hmm. So when I got to San Diego and I'm doing this diving thing and you know, th- this is pre-war. So you got weekends off and et cetera. And <clears throat> go up to the Sierras all the time, ended up meeting a just kind of happenstance, meeting these guys that were mountain guides. And so I started learning from them and they started taking courses and I'm like, oh, maybe I'll get out and do this. Yeah. My wife had been a ski bum for a while. She's an incredible skier. I was like, oh, we, I could see us doing that. Mm-hmm. The Navy thing. Like, I don't, I don't know what else I'm going to do. I've kind of done, done everything. You know, I've mm-hmm. had some adventure. And, uh, but long story short, I came back from some of these trips talking to guys in different platoons and they're like, well, hey, could you teach us to do this? Hey, could you teach us to do that? And next thing I know... I'm teaching some platoons to rock climb. I'm teaching some platoons. I did a winter course hmm. right there in Southern California. And then they're like, hey, would you come up you know, with us to Alaska and like augment their, their instructor cadre and like, you know, just kind of be a conduit. And I'm like, so all this happened, still not knowing where it was leading, mm-hmm. hmm. foreshadowing 9-11 happens. Yeah. Well, when 9-11 happened, of course, everybody's world changed, yep. every, all of us, right? Mm-hmm. And I had had a, enough of a reputation, at least on the West Coast and with the guys in Alaska, that, you know, it was, you know, the, the shackles were taken off and, like, money was no object and all the rules were out the window and the only thing that mattered was winning and, like, yep. kicking the shit out of the enemy, right? Yeah. <laughs> And so the guy that ran the place up there, who was a friend of mine, he called me and he's like, hey, man, he goes, I need 12 guys. I can pick them. You're one of them. You need to be up here. And in six weeks, my wife and I left Coronado and we're in Kodiak, Alaska. That's, that's a big transition. It was a huge transition. And I, we <laughs> loved it. on board it. with it? Yeah, absolutely. And, wow. uh, and, and that, that, so this, this uh, what I call the trajectory of my life has, has always moved in the same in the same direction, right? That trajectory has continued. And even though you have different like opportunities and, and, you know, you have to make decisions. I've always known generally at a broad level, like what I wanted, Mm -hmm. like I wanted adventure. I wanted to contribute. I wanted to work on teams. I wanted to be a, 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 you know, an integral part of that. I wanted to, you know, be successful, all those things. So I got up there, everything I just told you, parlayed that I hit the ground running and the next thing you know for the next I mean I don't know like three four five years it was just 
balls to the wall, 365, hmm. learning from the best, whatever it was, teaching, going out on our own, lessons learned, making mistakes, circling back, changing a lesson plan, doing it again. And that, that set that course for all those years up there. And, and then I'm like, okay, I'm, you know, as I mentioned before, I'm mm-hmm. kind of lost. To, so I, I, I realized a couple things because I, I told you I probably wouldn't have gotten out if I just didn't get old. But the other thing that I had to do was not be selfish, mm. right? Because what I realized is I, I was really good at my job, I think. Mm-hmm. really good at my job, right? Um, I could have stayed there, done the job, written a desk, written the curriculum. But at the end of the day, I was being selfish to not get the heck out of the way let, and let the next generation come and replace me. Because if not, it's like it would always been me and my thought process. And, you know, people would have given me the respect I probably yeah. didn't deserve. But, you know, okay, we'll do what John wants to do. And it's like, no, at the end of the day, the best way to do it is go, I, I made my mark. I need to step away. I, I it's need a hard to, decision to make. It, it, it took me a couple. It actually took me about two years. And yeah. in the process of that, I'm like, what the hell am I going to do next? Yeah. And that's when I realized, uh, I'll, I'll let you ask a question here, but I, I sat up, bolt upright in bed one night, <laughs> two in the morning, 2.30 in the morning. I, I literally, I sat right up and I was just like, I want to be in the hunting industry. And I want to work for Sitka. I swear to Just, you. That's a that's pretty cool. Well, Just I've been kicking that. around two ideas, and the two ideas I had because I retired fourteen, we were coming out of the oh eight oh nine financial crisis, mm-hmm. and I said I want to I want to go into a I want to get a job. I really wanted a career, not just a job, um, but I want to go into an industry that was somewhat recession proof. Yeah. So we're going to pressure test this here real quick, I think, oh, or yeah. we are in the process <clears> of. And the two things I came down to is I could either go into the hunting industry because people are super passionate and they're still going to hunt, or I could go into the pet toy industry because <laughs> people are still going to buy like pet toys and dog chews and stuff for their, for love, their pets, I right? Love my, I love my dog. And so yeah. I, I chose hunting yeah. over pets. Yeah. Um, so I mean, you got a cat. I know and and I, then I, just <laughs> through a weird, yeah, through a weird, crazy set of circumstances, I ended up where I am now. I was going to ask, because I hear you talk, it... Are you, are you, you say that kind of the tra- trajectory of your life you've followed, you know, you, you've kind of known, sounds like, that you followed and you've kind of known where you're going to go and you're going to do the next thing and you're pursuing these things based off of, you know, a feeling, a feeling for adventure, the way you describe it, right? I mean, are you, are you a guy that thinks a lot about the next step? I mean, are you always thinking about what is, what, what is the next thing for me? Like you, you sound pretty intentional, I guess is the word that keeps coming um, to my mind. Yeah. And I could see how you would think that. And, and at some level, maybe, but it's not like as soon as I get to the next destination, I'm thinking what's next. Yeah. When I get to wherever I'm going, I'm all in. Mm-hmm. But then I think if for me personally, like, you know, being honest with ourselves can be a difficult thing, mm-hmm. right? It's really hard. It's the hardest thing, it, I think. It, it, it is, to just, right? To, to not bullshit yourself. But, like but at a certain point in every, every, you know, there's lots of things that factor in. Like every critical step in my life, there's been a mentor, right? Mm-hmm. Although for years I didn't know it. Like I didn't recognize those people as what they were. Yeah. But, but nonetheless, they were there. Um, but but it, I had this broad idea of the direction I wanted to go. And then life has doors that open and close, right? And so mm-hmm. when they open and close, you don't know how long they're going to be open. And so if you don't at least have an idea of what you want to do, this is for me, 
I don't want to at least have an idea of what I want to do. When that door opens, you may hesitate so long, you don't take advantage of the opportunity, door closes. Mm -hmm. Probably never opens again. Yep. What I've been able to do, because I knew the general trajectory, is when certain doors open, I didn't have to think to go to Alaska. I didn't have to think to go and, and start teaching sub-ops, right, in mm -hmm. Virginia Beach. Like, I, I knew that's, like, I was like, oh, I hadn't thought about that, but that's the trajectory I'm going, I'm taking that path. And so it's continued to lead in that direction, right? And so it's been checking the boxes, though. Mm -hmm. Small teams, you know, uh, you know, people that are teams that are willing to let you contribute what you have to offer and, like, you know, value your work and, like, adventure and, like, you're growing as a person. It's, like, just broad ideas. But at a certain point, you do something for long enough and you're like, eh, like COVID, you know? It's yeah. like... Hey, what do I want to do? It's like, well, I kind of have thought about, you know, wanting to teach again. Mm -hmm. I, didn't, I didn't have it all fleshed out. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to start and see where it goes. Yeah. It's mine. So I always, like I say, I always reserve the right to quit at any time, right? <laughs> yeah. So I, yeah, I try not to put too much pressure on myself there, but it's like, but as long as I'm moving in the direction, I think, I don't know where the, I don't know where I'm going to end up. I mean, inevitably in some grave, I guess, but, <laughs> but you know, I, but Decision making, though, you, you've definitely got that. Like, you, you've got the ability to, you know, feel and kind of process as you're moving along through the trajectory of your life. But then you do seem to have the ability to make a decision and and feel good about it and jump in and go. Yeah, you have to. And, and I'm also a person, and, and that's why I, maybe my long term memory is bad. But like, I'm a person that doesn't look back either. Yeah. Like, I'm not a person that sits around and like thinks about the good old days in the military like on occasion i will mm -hmm. but it's like not what i do because i'm like just focusing forward yeah you know what's next that trajectory like to me that that's the best way i've been able to describe it yeah. anyways to myself i was gonna ask you so you, you, you did this uh what was your official title there when you were on kodiak you, oh, you tra I, train seals is that i mean yeah the way I, your couple, I mean at first i was a field instructor then i became the training officer then I became the operations officer but yeah I mean, what was that process like? Would they, you would, they would send guys to you and you're basically kind of in charge of putting them through a course and is it mountain survival, cold? I mean, what yeah, was, so what the was way, your... Well, it, it, kind of, it kind of morphed over time, but the way it started was we needed to get the, you know, the dozen or so guys, like we needed to get, quite frankly, our own shit together. Mm -hmm. um, the, the military, specifically special operations... After the Cold War, so, you know, think, you know, the traditional Cold War stuff, like the, the winter mountain uh, operations, survival, all that, like, for the most part, had, had aged out of the military, right? And yeah. the gear had aged out. And, and although the, the special forces in, in the Army, like, they still had a pretty robust program, it wasn't focused. It wasn't nobody because... You know, it's like, oh, I'm going to go climb with the French. I'm going to go climb with the Germans. It wasn't like focused on the Hindu Kush, right? Yeah. And so we had to kind of get our own shit together, get our gear up to speed, get our clothing up to speed, get our, what are we going to do? How are we going to teach us? What are our tactics? Like what works? What doesn't work? At the same time, guys are, st guys are going into Afghanistan, yeah. getting shot up, getting killed. And so you're learning like quickly in real time what you got to do. And so we would travel to help those guys that's how it started. And, huh. and at the same time, we're trying to figure it out. Then once we got it figured out, so let's just say a year, probably a year and a half, maybe, um, that's when people started coming to us. And then we had a training curriculum, basically 30 days long, 
at the time it was 30 days nonstop. Like every day was a training day <laughs> doing something, right? Either in the classroom or out in the field or a combination thereof. And you'd get people, it was so diverse. I mean, they could be, they could have been somebody who went to a month long Knowles course or grew up with a dad who was a mountain guide or mm. ski patrol mm -hmm. to a kid who had never seen a snowflake before, hmm. ever. And in 30 days, what I think predominantly we did, can't speak for every single person, uh, you would take somebody, because you'd kind of have to start from that base knowledge, somebody who'd never seen a snowflake, 30 days later, not only are they capable of taking care of themselves, but they're at least capable to look over and manage or help manage their buddy, because mm -hmm. you'd always work in pairs, and you'd be able to apply in 30 days just some very basic tactics. Mm -hmm. So apply a military application to it. So it's like, hey, you're not just out here camping and joking and cooking like there's actually, you know, one person's got to be awake all the time, you know, blah, blah, blah. You got to establish a camp where you can see the, you know, take the high ground, all this kind of stuff. And but the, the entire process of that, you're, you're designing that coursework. You're thinking your way through what, what do these people need to know? Like yeah. that, that was on you, like the whole, the, the, whole, the whole thing. Yeah. Basically the first five days were maybe, yeah, the first three or four, probably four days was like fairly classroom intensive. Mm -hmm. And then we started going in the field. And then from there, it was like classroom application in the field, classroom application in the field. And some of those field, you know, evolutions, I think the longest, there were two stints of four days each, I think. What are um, you really doing when you're taking them out into the mountains to try to like teach them the survival stuff or whatever? So, it might be? you know, at first you're, you're literally there shepherding them. You're showing them the right thing to do. You're giving them the example, right? You're living with them. Um, you're watching them make mistakes and teaching them because you're trying to teach them, right? So yeah. it's not like, hey, you screwed up, like give push-ups. Like at this point in time, it's like, hey, you screwed up. Here's how to, here's how you got to do this. Or, Hey, remember we talked about this? Like you can't, you can't light your stove that way. You're going to, you know, cause mm -hmm. a giant fireball and burn up your tent and everybody's going to know you're here. Yeah, Omar, Omar, Omar. <laughs> we, had a, we had a story about Omar doing that. He almost burned my, 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 oh, it's my so TV easy down recently. He screwed I've in his stove, but he didn't get the connection oh, between man, the two I've of them. Oh man, I've seen so many crazy things. <laughs> it was a giant um, fireball, fireball, like two feet, two and, feet high. And then the lat, the lat, so then you start to like give him a longer leash, give him a longer leash. They're out there running around the mountains. They don't think maybe you're there, but you kind of are. And then ultimately at the end, like they're out for four days on their own, you know, as, as a group, they're working yeah. in squads or platoons, which is like, you just say like six to 12 guys ish hmm. at a time. But are you taking them out in like kind of nasty weather and all sorts of different environments, like deep snow, like trying to. Yeah. So that was the thing, you know, obviously you can't control the weather, but, um, Kodiak, you can't. No, <laughs> no. We, I, I mean, at the end of the day, like you're 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 trying to you're tr you're trying to prepare these guys for war, and there's just no, uh, there's just no way around that, right? And so mm -hmm. you have all these things in place to mitigate risk, but at the end of the day, you're also training them to go to war, where you still try to mitigate risk but you can never remove risk. So what I'm trying to say is, yeah, we would modify the training at times, but dude, we went out in full on shit storms all the time, like all, <laughs> all the time. Okay. Like I remember one time 
so I was, I was running the, the three-day patrol or whatever. I'm living in a tent. Everybody else is living in snow caves. Um, probably three to four guys in a snow cave, right? So I'm in a tent outside the snow cave, so I got good communications back to the, the headquarters. Mm-hmm. And it's a full-on raging blizzard that night, you know? And we're like two or three, probably two, two nights into it. And uh, I get up in the morning, it's still dark, and I'm like, I'm, I'm going to go, you know, I know that these guys are in front of me on this big, like, hillside. I know, because I, I saw them dig their snow caves, you know? And they got their skis or snowshoes and stuff on the outside. So I, I'm going to be able to identify all the doors. And I got out, and it's a complete whiteout. And I'm like, oh, well, it's, it's you know, 20 yards till I hit this cliff face. And then I go left, and there's, you know, 12 snow caves and I go right and there's snow 12 snow caves yeah. and then I'll come back to the center and get to my tent. Well, first of all, I couldn't find the snow caves because oh, all the skis, because yeah. the, the other instructors had skis, all the snows, everything's snowed over, blown over. So I walk one way. I don't see any snow caves or doors. I walk the other way. I think I walk the other way. I don't see any snow caves or doors. I come back to what I think is a center. Now, mind you, I got out. I didn't do what I say everybody else should do, which mm-hmm. is have their shit on them yep. to survive. I couldn't find my tent. Oh, man. I couldn't find my tent. And I'm like, you're going to be that guy. <laughs> you're you're going to be here. that you're guy. You're the instructor that can't find his tent. <laughs> who everybody's going to dig out at their required time. They're going to dig out and they're going to start putting their stuff on and they're going to go, yeah, where's the guy in charge? And his tent's going to be there and all <laughs> his shit's going to be inside and he's not going to be there. And I'm like, have his stuff. don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. So I literally just stopped mm-hmm. and stood there. Yeah, I had a puffy jacket on and stuff. I literally stopped and stood there and thought about it. And just about 10 minutes later, there was just enough gray light. And I had a headlamp and I did this and I caught the, the guy reflect, line, reflect, the reflective oh, yeah. cord on my guy. And I walked to my tent and I'm like, lesson learned. Huh. Don't be that guy. Yeah. So what? And then I just pass that on to everybody. I'm, and, and I like I, I called myself out. I'm like, you know, we get back, we're debriefing. I'm like, yeah. So here's what I learned. Mm-hmm. And I went through it. And they're like, oh, that could happen to you. And it's like, yeah, it can happen to anybody. Hmm. So yeah, we went out and some stuff that was just. I mean, honestly, it was like damn near biblical. It was. It was wretched. <laughs> this stresses me out. Just not necessarily the conditions, but just the the fact that you're. You're kind of in care, you know. You're you're taking. You're not taking care of these guys, but you're. But you are. But I mean, you are. You're the guy you're, in charge. You're you're responsible for them. Yeah, I mean, that's and the their well being. Yeah, that's the reason I couldn't be a hunting guide because when I'm out there, I just yeah. want that guy to have the best experience, you know. Yeah. And, and I think about this. I just don't think I'm. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not a hard ass enough. I don't think that this would. I would be like, oh, are you guys okay? You know, what do you need? Like, I go with a camera guy. I'm like, hey, are you guys hungry? What What do you have? You know, I couldn't do that job. It would stress me out. Well, so we would do like this this land nav thing up in the mountains, right? And so they, they I don't exactly remember, but they, they'd start in pairs, then they'd, then they'd link up. And then eventually there was like four groups. The four groups would be in this kind of basin and that's where they would like camp for the night. And then we would come in, instructors from a different direction, kind of knew where they were, and then we'd split up and, and manage our groups. And, uh, you know, it's poor weather as always. And this one group, we got comma with them, but they're like this one pair, I should say. 
know, like they never linked up with the bigger group mm. and like, where were they? And they got turned around and this and that. And it's like, you know, where are you? Give us your grid coordinates, yeah. you know, kind of thing, blah, blah, blah. And they were kind of in a cliffy area. And it's like, well, you could ask them to come to you. You could go to them or you could tell them to sit down and ride the night out because they had their gear on, mm -hmm. like they had gear on their back. And so you're like, stop what you're doing. Park it. You're, 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 we call it layup, but like you're laying up right there and in the morning, you know? And so it's like, Oof. you know, we want you to come up on, you know, comms every three hours, you know, we had this protocol, yep. but it's like, and in the morning, um, we'll tell you when to move and you'll be able to, you know, weather should be better and you'll get here, you know? And it's not like you didn't yell at them, but you had to reinforce like, okay, what happened? Mm -hmm. uh, did you learn something? What can we do different? Like you compromise a whole, you know, if this is a military operation, like for real, like you compromise the whole thing. And so it was this, it was this nurturing the, the, the thing where I really refined my, my skills, so to mm -hmm. speak, because, you know, probably like a guide, because you can't worry about yourself you are worried about all these other people, mm -hmm. right? So it's like, I, you know, I come in, I'm wet. My sleeping bag's getting wet every night. You know, my tent's frozen every morning. You're packing it up. You're doing it all over again. That's where this knowledge from storms thing came from because it's like literally learning from poor experiences. Because yeah. if you're not learning from them, you're really wasting a valuable opportunity. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that's really is kind of, you know, other way to say it is like a hand, you know, burnt hand learns best mm -hmm. or whatever it is, you know, those kinds of things. And it's like when you're no sane person would have continually put themselves in such horrible weather over and over and over and over again. But we did. Um, and we did it for years. Yep. But the way we always looked at it and the way I always told the, the instructors in the cadre, it's like, yeah, I know you've done this, you know, 15 times in the last three years, but for these guys, it's the first time. Mm -hmm. And and literally some of those guys were were in the Hindu Kush six months later. Wow. So it's like this is the only way they're gonna get it. This is the only time they're gonna get this. And the next thing you know, it's gonna be it's gonna be for real. So and and it, you know, it wasn't like I had to like reinforce it but we had to we just had to tell ourselves it's like god we gotta go out again it's like yeah we gotta go yeah out again. gotta do it yeah gotta do it so how do you go about like a lot of this is obviously tactics and just learning how to survive out there but like how do you go about training someone for like the mental toughness side and how much you think like that could correlate to, that. To, to, to hunting the, though like they're coming to you pretty mentally they're, they're already yeah, tough. They, they've already been through the the selection part right the part you see on tv mm-hmm Buds, like Buds. they've already been through that. So it's not like, it, it's not like they weren't tough. Mm -hmm. They were, right? And nobody was going to quit. Honestly, it was, in some regard, it was a bit of a detriment because you knew they wouldn't quit. And and like, if we didn't tell those guys to sit down in the middle they of the night, kept, they'd have kept going and wandering around and God only knows they'd have gone off a cliff or fallen yeah. in the water or something, you know? So there there wasn't that aspect of it. But to me, it's like when, when I start like, okay, how do I apply that to hunting? This is where I, I, I'm a big proponent of this training. Like I'm a huge proponent of training, right? Mm -hmm. or, or planning and preparation is another way of saying it. And, you know, I think we would agree at this table that to me, hunting season is not long enough. Like yeah, I want September to be 12 months long. Yeah. Right not, not, now, not, not to get you know, impressive. my family doesn't want that to be. And you know, I probably don't really want that to be maybe 10 months. Um, but it's not long enough. So it's like, 
Okay, so if hunting season's short, and let's just be generous and say you're hunting 30 days a year, the average person, which it's not, but let's just say they do. What are you doing the other 11 months out of the year, right? And so here's the opportunity to, to actually train and like go out and like, you know, learn backpacking, mm -hmm. like learn how to live outside, like go and shoot your bow or your rifle in like windy weather, mm -hmm. rainy, or mm -hmm. go out in a snowstorm, go learn to winter camp. Like that's where I think that, you know, so gym is a huge component, but it's like, now's the time to like test the gear, build that confidence in yourself. And then you go, oh, I can take care of myself. Now I can take care of my buddy. If the, your buddy does the same thing, now you're mutually supporting. It's like, mm -hmm. oh, because trail's going to go down one day from altitude sick. I'm going to go down one day from dehydration. We take care of each other. We're learning. And then, to me, that begins to stack the odds of success in your favor. Because if, if you know, and we talked about this earlier, but, you know, if, if it's, you know, the cool thing to go out for 14 days in the backcountry to go hunt a mule deer, okay? Not saying it's not, but that is a that is a graduate level of hunting mm -hmm. that the vast majority of the people are not ready for yeah. because they haven't either trained for it. They haven't put themselves right? in a situation. Or they haven't situation. started at such a young age and gotten two decades of experience mm -hmm. to get to that point. And so they're like, oh, how does Trail do it? How does Brady do it? And it's like, probably different answers, but it's like, through lots of trial and error and lots of practice, lots of training, lots of preparation, right? Mm -hmm. And so my whole platform is all about student of the game, educating yourself, and then training because it's fun. Like, I can't go hunt all year, but you know what? I can still go on the mountains every year, I can, yep. or all year. I can still shoot my bow. I can still hike. I can still train. I can still take what I learned in the gym fitness-wise and apply it outside and go on those runs. And it's like, that's the fun part. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that's where over time, you know, the, the, mental, the mental capacity, I think you begin, this is just my take on it, but you begin to build that in the gym, right? But, and I think I got... It might have come out today. I don't know. Maybe it's an article I'm writing for next month. But, but at a certain point, I know in the gym if I want to puss out. Like, you know, I wrote that I want to do five, five sets of whatever. Mm -hmm. But I can go, yeah, mm -hmm. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go light, I'm gonna, or I'm just gonna cut it to four. Just not feeling right? it today. But go put yourself five miles back in the backcountry at a high lake to fish. And the only thing you brought with you was, you know, whatever your kid is and a fishing rod. And you're like, that's how you're going to feed yourself. Like you're going to figure it out. Or yep. you say, let's go back to nutrition. Cause I think it's critical. It's like, oh, I'm going to go do this, you know, two day thing, one overnight, me and my partner, it's going to, we're going to cover 15 miles. Maybe you've never hunted that far before, you know, or hiked that far before. Don't worry about the pack or uh, don't worry about the rifle. Don't worry about the boat. Don't worry about the tag. Don't worry about finding the animal. Just go live in the environment and mm -hmm. see Experience. if that food plan actually works for you. Yep. And you could do that any month out of the year, hopefully not September and October. Yeah. Don't do your uh, training during the hunt. Right. Don't train during the hunt. Train in the off season. I don't really think there is an off season, but train in the off season. Have a great uh, adventure. Learn a bunch of shit. And mm -hmm. then when you get that tag or when you do go in there and you're like, hey, man, you know what? On Google Earth, we dropped waypoints, and our first waypoint from the trailhead is eight miles in and 2,000 feet of elevation gain. 
And we know from our training, that's going to wreck us. So you know what? We're going to drop one or two intermittent points in between there, take two or three days to get there, hunt yep. on our way, mm -hmm. acclimatize, maybe carry a little more food. But when we get there, we're going to be more effective. Mm -hmm. yep. Right. And so you start to learn all these things that I, I don't know if people, when I say these things, I don't know if people like get overwhelmed. I don't mean it to be overwhelmed. Uh, a buddy of mine from Ohio, right, was just kicking his ass in Colorado, going from essentially 300 feet above sea level to eight. 8,500 feet at trailhead. And he trained all year, but he threw the pack on and he couldn't go a, two miles down the trail climbing mm -hmm. to get where he wanted to go. And so, you know, over time I've been talking to him like, well, what, are you, what are you trying to do? I was like, well, you know about altitude? No. I was like, well, you need to. And I was like, um, you know, where are you trying to go? He's like, well, you know, it's 1,300, I think it was 1,300 feet up and five miles in to get to this camp where he wanted to glass from and live. And then he thought the elk could be on the other side. And I'm like, all right. I was like, um, here's a plan I think you should consider. Fly out there a day before or mm -hmm. drive out there, right? Take your time. When you get there, sleep at the trailhead. The next day, hunt around the trailhead. Yeah, yeah. Just with Thanks. a day pack. You never know, you may find a bull. Mm -hmm. Okay, now you're good. Second day, instead of going five miles in, how about you go two and a half? Find a water source between you and where you want to go. Hydrate. Stop there, hang out, hunt there. Yep. You might be walking by elk. And then two days later, you get to where you want to go because he was so overwhelmed. Yeah, that's and a lot then of people do. was kicking his own butt because of the altitude. Yeah. And he's like, man, this thing, I can't do it. I can't do it. And I'm like, no, you're just not thinking about it right. Because, mm -hmm. you know, quite frankly, all of us have probably... Not not on purpose, but like painted this picture of oh my gosh, it's so romantic and awesome. And like <laughs> everyone wants thing. to go deep, and it's like I live at five thousand feet. Yeah, and if I go to ten thousand, like working up to ten thousand, like I still am going to slow down. And so you, it's it's easy to overlook when you're flying around on Google Earth, going drop a waypoint, drop a waypoint, drop a waypoint. You know? It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I think about it a lot when in terms of like hunting on my own because I I. I for whatever reason, I've always been a little bit of a loner. Mm. And my brothers, which I hunted with, my dad, my dad was getting a little bit older. But as I started to really get into hunting in like, you know, early 20s, a lot of the hunting I did was on my own because I just I didn't have, you know, yeah. close buddies that hunted. You know, my brothers had kind of all moved away. They're a lot older than me. So I did a lot of hunting on my own. I, I just did a podcast last week with a guy and he was asking me like, what's your most memorable hunt? And I was kind of explaining to him, you know, I'd, I'd done this New Mexico elk hunt and I did, you know, 10 days by myself. And I never saw another person in 10 days. And I can't remember if he said it or somebody else mentioned to me, but they're like, I could never do that. It's just, you know, 10 days is just too much to be completely on your own. How do you do that? Well, I mean, it started with one night. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. When, yeah. I, when I was it's 20. It's a great answer. Yeah, I mean, it started with one night when I was 20, and I was probably terrified. You know, yep. I was at Timberline and Lightning and going through some of those experiences. But, like, I, you, you don't you don't bite off 10 days by yourself completely alone no, in one chunk. Steps to it. Yeah, you, you got to do one night, you know, and then two maybe, you know, and then yeah. a weekend, and you kind of build into it. And I think, yeah. I think you could – we, we get this a lot. I know Brady does too, but we get a lot of people that are fairly new to hunting. And I think, I think you're right. I think they do see it as this romanticized thing that, you know, I'm going to go on this 10 day backpack hunt and just crush it. But it always looks beautiful on a hunt film where you see other guys yeah. doing it like, Oh yeah, they're just going out there. Looks it's great easy. on the gram. Yeah, right. Yeah. 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 But you got to break that thing off in, in chunks. So think, yeah. Cause it, it becomes overwhelming. Right. And so this, this guy that I'm, I'm referencing, you know, he's like, well, 
He's like, you know, I'm out there and I'm by myself and, you know, don't, you know, I, I, I get lonely and like, don't you get lonely in this or, you know, this and that. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. I was like, of course. Yeah. I was like, but you know what? You're right. Nobody talks about it. Nobody's mm-hmm. going to like do a video, right? In the middle of nowhere. It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm so really, lonely. really lonely and missing the kids, right? <laughs> but the reality is we're all, we're all humans. But the reason you get to the 10 days is because you started with one, yep. right? Or you started with two. And, you know, or you, or in that case, guy's case, he's not hunting alone anymore. He's with another person. Now. Mm-hmm. And so all of a sudden the aperture is opening for him. And, you know, it's like, well, you know, don't, don't you get tired or, you know, is, is that enough water to drink in a day? And I'm like, yes, I get tired and no, that's not enough water to drink, but that is the reality. And yeah. so you, you have to understand that over, you know, at least for me, uh, you know, over the course of a week, like you're, you're probably going to start to you know, degrade a little bit. You, mm-hmm. you, you may lose some weight or you may be hungry. Or you may crave the cheeseburger. Right. But, but that's part of the process that maybe, yep. you know, just painting with a very broad brush. We collectively, we like don't talk about as much as maybe we should. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, cause I don't want it to ever come off as like, we're trying to deter people, but also it's like, don't blow smoke up their ass. Yeah. You gotta yeah. be real with them. You, you know, you gotta be real with them. And then, you know, Quite frankly, like I don't share a lot of my failures, mm-hmm. but I, you know, certainly back in the day, I got a hell of a lot more failures or, you know, mm-hmm. went on trips where I didn't kill something than trips that I did. Yep. Yeah. You're only showing the ones nowadays where you do. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, people can get a false narrative there, but. I always think, I don't know if other people have, you know, things that they say or mantras or what, I don't know if you call it a mantra, but typically usually when, when I get feeling lonely and I'm like man, I miss, you know, I miss home, miss the kids. I always think like, you know, what's lonelier than this moment right now. Me in a week in front of my computer in my basement. That's the loneliest. <laughs> like that's way more lonely and than where I'm at right that now. For and you have to live with, with that for another 300 days or whatever it is that, you, you know, yeah. the difference between when you get to go hunting again. But I always, th- I think about that all the time. I'm like, you know, what's more lonely than being here right now. Yeah. This kind of sucks. I'm not seeing anything. I'm not, achieving but i'm yeah. going to be in front of my computer here in a week yeah. and that really sucks but that yeah. but that's why i think that that people need to you know eat this elephant in smaller bites yeah. right so we were talking about this also you know earlier this morning but it's like the the do it yourself public land archery elk hunt out west rightly so is seen as a pinnacle now sheep hunting is also awesome but you can't get very many tags right but what but but there's but that's just the first part of the paragraph the second part is it's the phd level of hunting Mm -hmm. right like you've got everything stacked against you Mm -hmm. species weapon area all that and when you you know because the vast majority of, of hunters in North America are, are whitetail hunters or mm-hmm. do whitetail hunt, right? And there's a dense demographic of them back east where it's like, oh, I'm just going 200 yards. I'm going to sit in a tree stand. I can come, <laughs> I come back every yeah. night. And then you socialize or, yeah. you know, whatever that is. And so it's a totally different thing. <clears throat> and so it's like, as opposed to sitting there and going, well, but I, but I, you know, I need to do this. It's like, come out and turkey hunt, come out and antelope hunt, come out and bear hunt. Or say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to elk hunt, I'm going to do it with a buddy, and I'm not going to default to just backpack hunting. Yeah. We're going to hunt from a fixed camp. We're going to move that camp three times in a week. We've got six areas identified on the map. I, I, 
who did I talk to about this the other day? And uh, it actually was on another podcast. And mm-hmm. I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it again, but I'm like, I'm going to tell you a dirty little secret. I'm, I'm going to give you the secret. And the guy's like, what is it? And I'm like, not everybody who kills an elk out west backpack hunts in and <laughs> yeah. kills it eight miles off the road. Yeah, yeah. it's probably small I, I'm just going to give you, a, like, that's not the only way to do it. Yeah. Yep. Now, I, I hope everybody does it be honest with you Mm -hmm. because that leaves a lot of room for me closer to the road but but it's not the only way Mm -hmm. right there's lots of ways and so it's like if one way doesn't work for you then change it or if if you're new to this crawl walk run Mm -hmm. and then get to that aspect or you know have an outfitter take you back and drop you off so there's a lot of different facets to this and this leads into something like you've been kind of talking about the whole time which i want to maybe switch and dive into i want to talk about your outdoor class backcountry mission planning so that's like, I was super excited when we, you know, got you on board with that. And like, that's not, I'm not blowing smoke, but that's my favorite course we have on oh, outdoor cool, class by, by far. Yeah. It's like literally like you're talking about right now, the mental side of it, the, the small baby steps, like going through everything that someone needs who doesn't have that confidence to go out west for the first time. You lay it out to them in a very easy to understand process. And I guess I wanted you to like dive into like some of the stuff you talk about on backcountry mission planning and why it's so important to you because it leads like everything you've talked about before this that you know training special ops all your your prior experience and give us a sales pitch i'm interested to know like sell me i mean sell sell somebody on i'm i'm not that you have to but i'm just i'm curious as to what your mindset what you put into that so so first of all thank you because coming from you that means a lot um the the, essentially what backcountry mission planning is is the 30 plus years of experience that, that we just kind of talked yep. about at a mm-hmm. high level, all those lessons learned, all those lessons documented, all those things I've seen, all those mistakes I've made, I've tried to pour into that course, mm-hmm. right? So I'm, I'm not theorizing, I'm telling you, if you don't train with your food, you're going to fail, you're going to bonk. If you don't factor in altitude, when you go out there, you or your buddy is going to get crushed. And the first time you see your friend on his knees coughing up blood, it's going to become very real to you. And so, you know, we talked about very briefly, we talked about mentorship in hunting Mm -hmm. and where it used to be, you know, our dads or our granddads or our brothers. Yep. And it's, it's not like that as much anymore. And so it's like, I was so privileged to be asked to be part of outdoor class. And so I really take it serious. But the first course I wanted to bring was what I think is foundational, which is I'm not going to teach you how to shoot. I'm not going to teach you how to call. I'm not going to teach you how to hunt. I don't actually think I'm that good a hunter. I think I'm average, right? (laughs) I I get a lot of reps in, so I find some success. But what I think I'm really good at is preparing people to go and live, survive, and thrive out there. That's the big thing. To give themselves the best chance of success, to give themselves the best chance of using those calls and using their shooting skills to kill whatever that target animal is. Because if you can't live there, and I'm not talking about surviving like, oh my God, like I'm, I'm on the verge of dying. It's like, no, going out there and like understanding that if a, if a snowstorm happens freakishly at altitude in August in Colorado, or, you know, you get fogged in a day that you're good and you can just sit in place 
and and the next day you'll probably be on the on the front end of some great hunt action, mm-hmm. right? And so that to me was something that was overlooked, not on purpose, but overlooked to where the better prepared you are, the more planning you do, not just e-scouting, that's just one very small component of it. We've touched on some of the others. The more of that you do, even if you live out west like we do, but especially if you're coming from a state outside of the west, Cleveland, that, <laughs> Cleveland, <Yeah. laughs> that helps stack the odds in your favor. Now, am I saying that you're going to take my course and kill a bull the first year? No, but I guarantee you, you will you will avoid a lot of the common pitfalls that I have made that <laughs> I have seen. 3,000 other guys make in my Mm -hmm. training, right, when I've been teaching, that I've seen them make that you don't have to make. So like I I like to say, I can't hike the mountain for you, Mm -hmm. but I can start you farther up Mm -hmm. than than you starting at the bottom, right? And so to me, that's huge. And especially when you get somebody who's coming into hunting, you know, in their 20s or 30s or 40s, right, that didn't have the opportunity to, to, mm-hmm. to like we did, to, to get 20 years under their belt before they were 40. Um, you you want to you want to get a little bit of a leg up. You still have to go learn it for yourself. Yeah. But we can help you get there. And mm-hmm. so, again, those 11 months that you're not hunting, that's when you take all this information and you, you start to implement it. And then the one month that you go, then you start taking these other courses that, that are on outdoor class, and that's when you become lethal. Yep. Yeah. I've always said, people have asked me, you know, what, what, what's the difference between somebody who's, you know, consistently successful in the field? You know, what, what, what is that 10% of the people that kill 90% of the animals? You yeah. Know? And people hate the answer, but I've typically just said it's just time. Like, it's time in the field. It is. Like, the people that I know that are the best hunters are guys that are spending more time in the woods, which you cannot do if you can't navigate it, live in it, yeah. thrive with it. I know for me, like, when it comes to elk hunting, I became an infinitely better hunter when I got more time with elk in the elk woods. Yep. So it was that next step for me of like, well, you know, my base camp is pretty comfortable. I, ref- I feel really safe back there in the wall tent. I'm going to hike back and forth to the wall tent every day, you know, and I'm going to have my stove or whatever it is, a hot meal. Um, I got way more successful when I decided like, hey, I can live out here with these elk. You know, yeah. I, I can navigate this. I can eat the food that I need to, you know, form to function the next day. I, I, I became way more successful you're, once you're I figured out that step. Too, yeah, you're way, to way more rested too. Yeah, way more rested. And, and, just, and you kind of like it just get came into down to almost a, a rhythm or in mm-hmm. tune with like what's going on out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, you do. I mean, you're, you're laying there and, you know, in your tent or your bivy or whatever it is and like, you know, you're hearing a bull or, you know, a herd of bulls and cows piping off up the ridge and you're like, oh, I know where I need to be tomorrow versus oh yeah, you're back in your wall tent, you know, and you're, you're missing all that action yeah. at night. That, you that can came pick from up time on. and just yeah, experience and, out there. And yeah, and it's time. I mean, I really do. I think it's, you know. Yeah, you didn't start doing that. No, I didn't start no. doing it. it and, was a, and that's what I think people need to understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it was a progression. But I think that's a great, I mean, I think that's essentially what your course is set up to do. I mean, it's you're giving people the ability to then flip time in their favor in the yeah. woods. Well, wait, so for me, even though I grew up in Ohio, like I was maybe still am a horrible whitetail hunter, right? Like, <laughs> you know, a self-taught archery hunter, whitetail hunter, like it's tough, mm-hmm. right? As a kid. But, you know, even after that, because I would randomly pick five days on a calendar, 
that worked around my work schedule and go, I'm going to go to Kansas. I'm going to go to Iowa. I'm mm-hmm. going to go, you know, Illinois, whatever the case may be. And then inevitably my luck didn't hold out and it was always warm and windy or whatever, you know, or full moon or blah, blah, blah. And it wasn't until I committed to putting in the time and going, you know what? I got two weeks, 15 days, whatever it is blocked. And I'm going to, I'm going to get as far or as close as I can to that before I commit to those days. And then I'm going for 15 days. And when I did that, when I gave myself time, which Mm -hmm. is the same equivalent, just different application that you're talking about. And I started getting in tune with those deer and I could hunt or take a morning off when the wind was, that's when I started killing my bucks. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that's what the, the whitetail hunter has to understand is that same time and dedication, everything that, that they've applied, the, the land management or the trail cameras, the equivalent out here is, you know, learning to, learning to backpack and live and, and figuring out your water purification and, you know, do my boots fit? And when I get blisters, how do I manage that? And like, you know, that, that the headache I get the first night at altitude is not yep. going to, you know, kill me and it'll go away. Like all those things, it's like, that's what we can do and have those adventures and have fun and work with our partners, whatever, whoever they may be. And then when you get the tag in your pocket, you feel real confident taking the 10 days off Mm -hmm. to drive from Pennsylvania to Colorado and give it your best to hunt that elk. And it's not just a crapshoot. You're like, well, at least I've done everything I can in my control. And you know, maybe you kill, maybe you don't. And then the next year you're even better. Mm -hmm. And the next year you're even better prepared. Yeah. Sounds like you had a good time putting this course together. I, I, I had a, did, did you enjoy it? I, I, I'm just yeah. curious. It feels like you did. No, I had a blast. I, what I realized, uh, you know, kind of started with COVID, but as I mentioned earlier, but what I realized is I, I, I really felt like I was a selfish prick. Um, like, I don't mind saying that. Like, well, I've, I've, I, I feel that way all the time. Yeah. About yeah, I, me. No, oh, about oh, me. Okay. <laughs> um, Not about you. About but, me. But, but what I realized is... You know where this kind of knowledge from storms thing came from was I thought I had some, I thought I had some experience and information and a, maybe a unique perspective on that that I wasn't sharing and I missed teaching, and so I wanted to I wanted to kind of build a platform to get back to at least teaching right and so if people appreciate it or not, almost was irrelevant when I started. Maybe it still is. I wanted to make sure that at least I was doing my part to pass on what I knew. And if it helped anybody, like I was like, that made me feel good. Yeah, that's a win. And then when outdoor class approached me and said, Hey, here's an opportunity and I could amplify because mm-hmm. I couldn't do this on my own, mm-hmm. like to, yeah. the, to the, to the production level and, and everything that, that outdoor class is, I, I was, I was just, I was honored. Right. And I was like, but here's my opportunity to take that to the next level and maybe reach more people and do it at a higher level. And so, man, I just like poured myself into it. And, uh, you know, I'm, they made it real easy for me. Sure. Not that it was, you know, not a lot of work, but they made it easy Mm -hmm. for, for me to like get the message across. And so I'm stoked how the first course came out. I've got two more in, in the can? Uh, so I've out. I've, no, not in the can. Uh, I've, I've <laughs> I'm out, like, man, you are rolling. I've, I've got one. I've got one written. I outlined it and I wrote it. 
I've got the other one still outlined, so you know we'll keep mm-hmm. knocking them out in the next couple of years. But and what do you have right now? You have sixteen chapters. 16, I remember right? sixteen chapters in backcountry mission planning with the intro and then the. So these the other last. ones you're having are they going to be also multi chapter? They'll be multi chapter. I don't think. I, I think we'll we'll maybe change up the format a bit. Mm-hmm. What I'd like to do is, um, for anybody who's listening from outdoor class, um, <laughs> but what I'd like to do is begin to build a series of courses that that build on each other. Oh, it's so like advanced levels. I, like I would, I, yeah. Because see, from from my background, it's like here's what you do: like you teach a person to be competent and capable of managing themselves, right? Mm-hmm. And then with some experience, they come back. Cause, so we taught that first initial course. Well, then as the war progressed and, and we continued to evolve our training, those guys would come back after a couple deployments and now they're in platoons and they're like, hey man, like we want you guys to teach us what's next. Like we want, we want, mm-hmm. we've got experience now. We want you to teach us the next level. And so then that's when we started traveling again. And we're like, oh yeah. What do you want to do? What skill set? What environment? What altitude? And then we started traveling to them and what was called mobile training teams. And we started teaching them that, right? So then I could walk in and go, I know that this person, maybe they, they needed a refresher, but I know that this person at least is capable of managing themselves and their buddy. They've got a baseline. If I say, hey, remember this? They're like, oh yeah, right, got it. Mm-hmm. And now you can start building on that. Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't think it's fair at least in my mind, to sit there and go, hey, we're going to go to like 303 if you haven't taken 101. And so it's like built the foundation with backcountry mission planning. Now, if I at least reference back, they understand. And and that's where I want to like start doing some, I don't want to say cooler things, but like maybe a little more targeted. That's what I'd ultimately like to do. So the next two courses are maybe kind of dancing around some Mm -hmm. of that. And that's what I really like about like outdoor class and just education in general. I always explain to people like knowledge is power. And like when you're, when you're trying to learn anything about hunting, you need to be a sponge. Whether you're going out with someone, taking the first time, like be a sponge, absorb all that information, soak it all up. And that's what these courses like really do. And I pulled one quote that you said, you know, back on your mission plan that I thought was like very similar to that, but like on another level. And maybe I want you to expand on that a little bit. It is knowledge weighs nothing and only costs your time to acquire. Yeah. And like, I think that's a very important step when someone's learning about going out west for the first time, learning about backpacking, learning about surviving in the mountains. It just takes your time to acquire this knowledge. And like you said, time is everything when you're out there. But Yeah. Uh, so a, a mentor of mine told me that. Uh, and maybe that's not a direct quote from him. But, but, but basically, that's what he told me, right? Because, and I think you mentioned it earlier, but when we're starting out, when we're figuring things out, when we're new to something be it hunting or climbing or whatever. We pour ourselves into the gear, right? And we love gear. And we yeah. got a warehouse out there full of awesome gear. Like, yeah. give we me five it. minutes to like run around like those, you know, those yeah. those cooking shows where you like to get to grab ingredients, but you can only walk out with what you can carry. Like, love, love it. So we love gear, right? <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. But But when we first start, at least for me and what I've seen, like we tend to use gear as a crutch, right? And so mm-hmm. it's like, oh, I got this like... I can do that. Well, not necessarily. And then you're like, well, and the more gear I have, the more capability I have. And you're like, well, no, not necessarily. And so you're at a certain point, you're like, I can't carry all this stuff. Mm -hmm. Right. And so the kind of the arc or the evolution of an outdoorsman is we start out and we don't have a lot of knowledge. And so we get a lot of gear 
and we overburden ourselves. And, oh, yeah. and honestly, well those are some of the fondest memories I've got, right? <laughs> Just looking back and going, God, what a tool I was. Like, but I was a kid, you know, but it doesn't matter. But you start out with a lot of stuff and then you begin to get experience, but you're not experienced yet. And you're kind of like in the danger zone because mm -hmm. you've got enough to be dangerous. And you're like, man, I don't need all this crap. Mm -hmm. So now I'm leaving it all behind. Yep. Right. And that's when you cut the toothbrush and like you're going you, ultra, you know, ultra light. You're going ultra, ultra, ultra light. And you're literally counting grams, not ounces, grams. Graham, right? crack, graham crackers. And, and I'm not I'm not necessarily <laughs> busting on that. But but what what's wrong about that is you don't have enough. You're, you're carrying so little. You don't have enough knowledge to get your ass out of a jam. Yeah. If yeah. you get into it. And then eventually you end up in a place where you've got you've acquired that knowledge. Right. And that knowledge doesn't take up any room in your pack. It doesn't occupy any weight on your body. Mm -hmm. And you've, you've come to a level where you're like, I know with these particular things, which is somewhere in the middle of the extremes, that no matter what happens, I can manage myself and or my partner, mm -hmm. right? And so what does it take to do that? It requires this student-like approach that I talk about, maybe taking some outdoor courses, which quite frankly, outdoor class didn't exist until six, eight months ago, right? Yep. Tremendous resource. And with that knowledge and with that gear, now you have true capability, right? But what did it take? It took some time. Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes, especially with, you know, and we say it jokingly, and I don't mean it derogatorily at all, but we talk about adult onset hunters, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, You know, so people 20, 30, 40s get I get say it lovingly. It. Yeah. yeah, no, I do too. And I understand the urgency, right? Because, like, I want to hunt elk for another 50 years as well. Probably don't have 50 years left, so I feel <laughs> urgent. Oh, multiple states, whatever. But, but we feel this urgency, so, you know, they, they, wanna, they want to they wanna start higher up on the, on the ladder mm -hmm. if they can. Um, so I understand the urgency, but what I tell them, what I just, the general statement I make is, this is a journey. Mm -hmm. We're never gonna, like, no matter how long I do this, I'm still never gonna have it all figured out, right? Yeah. And I'm still gonna learn, evolve, and make some mistakes again. And, and so relax, have a little patience, enjoy the journey, which is truly what it is. This is why you're in it in the first place. I exactly. Yeah. And, you know, there'll be years where you're like, are crushing it. Mm -hmm. And you're like, man, I can almost do no wrong. And then somehow you find years where you're like, oh yeah, I'm the worst hunter ever in the history of hunting and I can't get anything done and animals are just running away from me. <laughs> um, but it's all a journey. And as long as you learn and enjoy that process, then I think it takes some pressure off, right? Yeah. And in social media aside, whatever people think they need to or not do on social media, it's like, just relax and enjoy the journey of becoming, you know, a more proficient outdoorsman. And that just takes time. Yeah, that's a good tip. Yeah, just, just relax, have some patience. Mm -hmm. Enjoy the journey. Enjoy the journey. When, when I started doing that, mm -hmm. not only did I enjoy myself more, mm -hmm. but Interestingly enough, I actually started finding more success yeah. because I wasn't, I like, I think depending on species, I like to talk about default aggressive, but like, that's not the only speed. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, you get people, I, I've done it where you're like, man, I, you know, I want, I got three elk tags mm -hmm. and I'm like, but I'm only going to be able to give like five to seven days per elk tag. Yep. 
and and maybe that's okay when you're younger, but it's like, man, am I really learning anything or am I just like, yeah, well, am I just like through through clicking the, the days off to get to the next hunt, you yeah. know? And it's like, maybe I need to just spend two weeks and just chill out. And hunt like, one tag. Hunt one tag. That's where yeah. I'm at right you now. You say that a lot. Yeah, I say it all the time. I, I, oh, do you, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's in, I think it's tremendous advice for yeah. a lot of reasons. But yeah, yeah. I, I, I've it's been probably more recently, and it's and again, it's just me looking back on me and kind of the evolution and I looking back on the hunts where I felt the most satisfaction from the out, you know, the outcome. Yeah. And it's been when I've had a tag or one, you know, two tags, you know, this year I've got two mule deer tags and I was talking to Neville the other day and he's like, what else, you know, what else do you got going on? I'm like, you know, if I don't draw a Colorado elk tag, you know, I'm really, I'm really pumped with the two tags that I've got. Cause I know I can do them justice. Like I yeah. can pour my time and effort. And I know having looked, back on you know my hunting you can call it career or whatever but the time i've spent hunting the times when i've 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 that meant the most to me the most satisfaction i've felt is when i've had a tag and it might be a general season deer tag in utah and i just poured my heart into it you know scouting days you know i have a buck that's probably my most you know, prized possession i won't call it a prized possession but it's like one of the you know experiences that means the most to me I mean, I scouted that buck for 18 days in the summer. It took me 17 days to kill him in the field. Oh, I love that buck, by the I, way. I hunted one it's actually, buck. It's you know what I buck. mean? And on the back side of that, it's like I look back on it. I'm like, man, I really did something. Yeah. yeah like I, I did something there, you know. You the, earned those it. Are the, yeah, those are the most satisfactory satisfaction i felt from a hunt so and you're, not yeah, you're not stretching yourself thin yeah on multiple yeah, don't, tags yeah, like don't bouncing just, around yeah and I guess it, dep it depends but, you, but but i couldn't have convinced that i couldn't have convinced you of that 20 years ago no or me no way and so i understand that yeah i understand the emotion yeah yeah but, no way back then it was like how you know where can i go and how many tags can i can i get in my pocket you know instead yeah. of like let's just make yeah let's make the experience the the thing that matters you know versus yep. just yep. getting out and checking off days on a calendar that hey i hunted 20 days in three states right you know? right yeah it's, it's a hard thought to think like oh you might have drawn too many tags like turning them turning a tag back in kind of hurts oh like you you, you yeah. drew it you beat the system you got a yeah. tag in your pocket and here you are now turning it in but it's probably best for your hunting career that year to turn that tag in it's I, I think so. I mean, I'm all for people exploring and if you like if you just want to go out and see new states and hunt new species go for it you know if that's your jam but like for me looking back I've always felt the most satisfied with a hunt and just pouring my heart into it and all my scout time and I mean I've got a deer tag in Utah this year and I've, I've been telling Brady from, yeah, last from the jump from the get-go like application season starting it's the only tag I want is a general season deer tag in my home wow. state you know and I I just, I'm so excited about the potential for it. It's it close to home. I can scout it. I can get right. up and exercise and use my gear and, yeah. you know, put a plan to together and, and really hunt a buck. Mm -hmm. I love hunting a buck. Yeah, there's nothing really better than locking <laughs> one best. down and figuring out exactly what makes them tick, makes them, It's know. harder with elk, I think, yeah. to hunt an, an elk. But, um, man, a buck on a general season unit, that's my jam. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's talk about Sitka real quick. We've, we're probably bumping up against two hours, so we'll try to get wrap it up. But are we over two uh, hours? I, I'm no, always long-winded. Huh? 138. Gotcha. Oh, we got plenty of time. Yeah, we got plenty of time. <laughs> yeah. I'm curious as to, as you talked about kind of the transition from, you know, being on Kodiak and training people to then moving towards Sitka. Uh, well, did you interview for that job or did they just call you up and say, Hey, Oh no. Oh no. How, I, how did that process I, work? Because it seems to me there's this whole suite 
of skills and skill set that you've developed and personality <laughs> over time that yeah. like, man, you couldn't find a better guy. I, 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 I'm a lucky guy. Uh, honestly, I mean, uh, yeah, no, I, I, so I told you I woke up yeah. in bed. I had this mm -hmm. idea. I didn't know. I'd never worked in business before, right? And I just, I was like, oh, I'm going to work at Sitka. I'm going to manage their big game, which I didn't know they even had anything else, yeah. right? Just, and, uh, but I didn't know what any of that meant. So anyways, long story short, believe it or not, a guy reached out to me. He's like, because we, we used to work with, with Gore mm -hmm. um, when I was up in Alaska because they'd bring some stuff up. We'd try it for him, you know, that work didn't, dry suits, whatever. And the guy called me because he knew I was retiring. The guy called me. He's like, hey, um, just want to let you know Sitka's hiring for this job called the Big Game Product Manager. You're like, no shit. And I I'm just like, sat up in bed the other night. This is serendipitous. <laughs> I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, I'm thinking, huh. I'm thinking this, like, no way this doesn't work. Mm -hmm. Like, no way I don't get this job, right? Like, how could they say no to me? Yeah, like, look what, you, look what I do. I live up in these mountains training and, all these uh, badasses. Yeah, so, you know, you learn to write resumes. You got to do the whole thing, blah, blah, blah. And I do a phone, phone interview. Mm -hmm. um, one of the person, people on the phone interview is, is still a good friend of mine at Sika. But, uh, and they call me back and they're like, hey, man, like, love the interview. But the answer's not no. It's just not now. Really? Huh. And I'm like, yeah, of course it devastated me. You yeah. Know? yeah. But okay. I, I try to keep my chin up and I'm like, well, you know what? I, I sincerely appreciate the opportunity to interview. I enjoyed the conversation. You've got my contact information. Please keep it. I'm, I'm interested if anything ever comes up, please mm -hmm. call me. They're like, really? And I'm like, yeah. Okay. So I'm, I'm retiring, man. Like yeah. I got to get a job. So... <laughs> I, I took a job with a, I moved to, moved to Salt Lake, but I uh -huh. took a job with a company called um, Beyond Clothing at the yep. time. And uh, so anyways, I, I, you know, I'm moving and all this. I, I like, I kind of forgot about it in some regard. Mm -hmm. And I get a call. I'm in Seattle actually working and I get a call and it's the, the same recruiter. And she's like, hey, you know, you said, and I was like, yeah, are you still interested? We saw you got a job, you know, LinkedIn or whatever. Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I said, yeah, I'd still be interested. She goes, well, the, the, the founder of the company, or one of them, you know, Jonathan, uh, the founder of the company would like to talk to you on the phone. And I'm like, oh, we went from mostly no to here you go talking it, to from It went from not now or no to, hey, Jonathan wants to talk to you. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I'll talk to him. Right. So she goes, okay, you know, set it up. A couple days later, I talk to him and, uh, he doesn't give away like if he knows me or anything, cause I, I don't know him. And he's like, Hey man, we'd love to have you fly up to Bozeman and interview in person. So it went from no to found, Come, talking yeah. to the founder company to interviewing in person. I'm like, all right, well, you know, um, I work every other week in Seattle. So maybe next week, you know, so anyway, a couple weeks later I fly up. And it's a four-hour inter four-hour interview. It's four one-hour interviews Ooh. with two two pairs. So a pair of people each. So eight, I talked to eight people, four groups Damn, of people. He's being grilled over, over four hours, right? And uh, so I walk out of there, 
Of course, I think I crush it, right? <laughs> yes. It's the yeah. first, literally, first job interview of my entire life. Yeah. I'd never had one, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm sitting in the Bozeman airport drinking, I distinctly remember, drinking Willie's <laughs> Bighorn Whiskey. That's a good one. Wondering what my fate held for me. Yeah. And I get a call on my cell phone, and it's Jonathan. This is... You haven't left two town. hours. Yeah, no. you haven't left town. I even. went to the archery shop on the way to the airport. Maybe two hours after I walked out of that interview, and he's like, he's like, "Hey man, how'd you think it went?" And I was like, "Well, I think it went well. You know, <laughs> yeah, enjoyed the, enjoyed the people. Crushed you it. know, this and yeah, <laughs> yeah. this and that." And he's like, he's like, um, he's like, "Well, he says, do you, do you have any idea what you're actually getting yourself into?" And I said, "I have no idea what I'm getting myself into." I said, "But I'm fired up about it." I'll do whatever it takes, and I really want to work for Sitka. And he's like, and he, you know, he couldn't tell me officially. He's like, okay. He goes, um, we will be back in touch. And I'm thinking, that's got to be a good sign. Yeah. yeah. So long story short, a week later, they reach out. They off, you know, they offer me the job. Of course, I accept it. Now I got to tell my tell- friend of mine, mm-hmm. my boss, that I'm I'm quitting mm-hmm. after you six just months. Moved to, yeah, Utah. You said so. Yeah. It's like very recent. Yeah. And, uh, but uh, dude, I mean, I'm living my dream. Yeah. Well, so now let me tell you what happened on the backside. So it wasn't just my charm and good looks and my interview skills <laughs> that got me the job, although I'm sure that sealed the deal. But so come to find out a good friend of Jonathan's and a guy I had worked with for almost 20 years in the Navy was who you guys know as Jack Carr. Oh, author. really? Okay. So Jack Carr and I, I remember Jack, not his real name, of course, but I remember Jack and Andy Stumpf checking into SEAL Team 5 back in the day in 1997 as new guys. They were, they were new to the Navy, new to the teams. And, uh, you know, Jack and I hit it off, and, of course, Andy and I did. But, you know, Jack was, he always came across as, like, more... I can bust on Andy, but more mature, professional, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and studious. And anyways, we, we hit it off. And so over the course of time, like we worked together on and off. And then at the end of my career, when I was retiring, Jack was the operations officer in San Diego that I reported to. Gotcha. Right? Because he was an officer. Yeah. I was an enlisted guy. Well, Jonathan and Jack are high school friends. Huh. They're riding... So in, in the time of them telling me no and him, Jonathan, calling me, they're riding, Jack and Jonathan are riding a chairlift in Tahoe skiing. <laughs> and Jack's like, hey, so how's it going, this and that? And Jonathan's like, well, you know, we're still looking for, essentially it was his replacement as this big game job, yeah. right? Which had never existed before. Yeah. And, you know, we've interviewed, it took 11 months of interviews. He goes, yeah, we've interviewed this and that, but we really haven't found the right person. And Jack randomly just says, well, you know, my, my buddy, John Barklow, um, retired and I think he interviewed with you guys and he really, cool. and Jonathan's like, how do you know him? And so Jack tells him that's when Jonathan called me. Called, and so at, called at the end of the day, it was like, I needed, I needed a personal endorsement to get in front of those folks to sell myself. Yeah. And so sometimes it, it does, 
it's it's who you know. Now that's crazy. After that, it's up to you to win. Yeah, to, or yeah. lose. Yeah, right. To, you have to have the skill set. To, Anyways, long story short, man, it was at the end of the day. I guess it was meant to be. Right. Yeah. And so what I brought, which is maybe the you know what you're getting at, is what I what I tried to bring was when I was in the military, specifically in Alaska. When I told you we were trying to figure our stuff out for that first year and a half. There was no clothing system to send guys into the winter, into the mountains, right? It had, it had, it was expired. Like it was twenty year old technology. Yeah. And so we engaged all these, you know, different different uh, companies and stuff, and and talked to all these people and was figuring all this stuff out. And literally, it was like whatever we needed, we could either you know buy or pay for, or consult with or whatever. And so you started learning, and we built the first technical clothing system for. The military, which was what at the time was called PCU, Protective Combat Uniform, yeah, specifically for special operations. And uh, <clears throat> so I learned a lot about that. And then over the course of the next couple of years, I'm sitting in all these meetings and then people in industry started to know me. I started to know them, started to understand their lingo and their jargon. And so I just, when I stepped into the hunt industry, I'm like, well, it worked there. Yep. The hunting industry was not as far behind as at the time as, as the military was, but it was still not up to speed with what I considered the outdoor industry, yeah, right? We're like all the, 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 the climbing and mountaineering and backcountry skiing industry. And so there was an opportunity in Sitka. That's why I wanted to work for Sitka because I thought they, they had been the, the creators of that. Obviously, there's more now. And I was like, that I align with their values. Like, I think I can help them. And so I just tried to bring or have tried to bring what I learned and the systems and the theory and the teaching and, and the process to the hunting industry and to Sitka through those products. Yeah. And so to me, it's, you which know. You, which you've done exceptionally it's, it's well. It's worked pretty yes. well. <laughs> All your life history going into making right? those badass kinda, hunting clothes Kind of crazy. Yeah. But again, towards it. trajectory. If you'd, have, if you'd have asked me even a year prior or two years mm-hmm. prior, like, because my brother busts on me. He's a doctor up in Salt Lake, and he busts me all the time. He's like, hey, so how's life in the fashion industry, right? <laughs> and I can't, like, of course I laugh and I give him a hard time, but, like, in some regard, it's, I can't run. I'm like, oh, you know, it's pretty good. You You're know? like, don't you have a kid to but hang if, a lollipop or something? Yeah, just yeah. But, if, you know, if, but if you just said, hey, man, like, you're going to be a guy who knows all about textiles and this and that and moisture management, I've been like, no way. And, like, talking to all these, like, designers and developers and going to factories, I'm like, no way. But you know what? Yeah. Yeah, way. Like, that's me now. But the application of it is super cool. Yep. And it's something, obviously, we, we enjoy. So it's like, oh, I can see the payoff. Mm-hmm. What's, what's one of the most, like, rewarding things for you right now? Like, being at Sitka and creating all these systems for people. Like, what do you, what do you highlight of you? Yeah, so, um, and again, John, Jonathan used to say this. The, the thing I take the most pride in of being a part of is... Sitka set out to first they set out to change the hunting industry and and I think that they've done that and I think I've been a small part of that and so I'm really proud of that and and I think what we're trying to do now and and have done and and it's not just us but I think we've we've led that charge is we're trying to change the culture within the hunting industry right so a much bigger swing Mm -hmm. right Hmm. um and and not just like Hey, here's some cool gear and like, it's going to be good for you. Um, and we're going to make a bunch of money off of it. Right. But it's like, okay, here's the gear. 
here's how to use it. Here's, you know, here's a way to approach being a hunter and an outdoorsman and this lifestyle and that evolution of that, like that to me is a once in a lifetime thing. And so it's one of many once in a lifetime things I think I've been a part of, but that's the thing I'm most uh, um, uh, proud of. It's not, you know, subalpine or it's not an individual piece of kit. Yeah, those are all great things, but the broader collective to like the hunting industry and like that legacy I think is the is the coolest thing for me because it's like that that's just random like that doesn't happen all the time Mm -hmm. you know um and just being able to be at the right place at the right time which is again not knowing this but the reason I thought Sitka was the best alignment for me was was part of that I think it's really it's interesting because I think I mean, as you're, as you're talking and you think it through, I think probably a lot of people that either, you know, own a business or work for a business, I think on our day-to-day, we do spend a lot of time thinking about the bottom line and, you know, the company and how do we move this thing along in, which a, bu- is in, in a business course, sense, which is part of it. But like, yeah. I think it's really interesting that you just, basically what I heard you just say is that it's bigger than that. Like it's, it's, a, it's a lifestyle. It's a, you know, it, it's what can we give back. It's, it's a... Yeah, for lack of a better word, you know, I went to I went to a tiny high school, so I apologize. My uh, vocabulary is <laughs> a little bit limited, but um, d- just the the brand, like the lifestyle. I I I think if you take care of that, and you do it for the right reasons, the business side of it will do its do what it does. I mean, it'll take care of itself. So, so as a non-business guy, that yeah. is exactly the way I approached it. Mm-hmm. Right, build that relationship with the consumer and and that's not necessarily to say the consumer who's going to be transactional with you with with money Mm -hmm. of course you you want that right you appreciate that you expect that at some level but it's like build a relationship with the hunting industry build the relationship not with the industry with the community right the people that with the individual did the individual Mm -hmm. right show that you care give something back to them Show them how it values them and they can benefit from that, however they choose to apply it. I think when you do that, the transaction occurs. Take care. Right. Take care. And and maybe that's probably naive in some regard Mm -hmm. and certainly not something they're going to teach you at an MBA course. Mm -hmm. But it's like that's the way I've done it. Um, And I think that builds, you know, a loyalty and a following. And it's like, yeah, you know, they're not going to buy everything. And I've had product that you know, didn't do as well as I wanted. And I mm-hmm. never took offense to it, but it was like, you had to, I had to look at the bigger picture. Yeah. And it's like what we've done, you know, talking about systems and what we've done, you know, talking about individual technologies and, you know, getting feedback from people who go, Hey, you know what? Like you said to bring a rain jacket and like it, it did snow in August and it saved my life, you know, or it yeah. saved me from getting hypothermia. And I'm like, man, that's cooler than any dollar transaction yeah. I could be a part of. Yeah, and looking at it that way, I don't know. I mean, you can't really, I don't think you can teach it, but it certainly makes, I mean, if, if you do approach things that way and your job, I mean, I'm just thinking about it, my job here at Gohan. I think if you approach it that way, it's a lot more interesting. It's a lot more satisfying. You know, I, I find, I find I'm kind of like you, like more of a lifestyle. I like to, 
you know, help people bring them in? What can I do? And, you know, look at more as a, a brand versus, you know, bottom line. But, but, but this is it, a lifestyle. It I mean, is a lifestyle. Three of us here sitting yeah. at this table, like we wouldn't be hunting here. isn't, isn't uh, yeah. an activity. Yep. Hunting is a lifestyle, right? It's a 365 day a year thing. That's why I like to say there's no off season. There's just different parts of my year where I'm doing yeah. something different, but it's all focused on the, the animals, the environment yep. and, and the hunting, right? And whatever that is. And so it's like, okay, it is a lifestyle. What does that lifestyle look like? Like, yep. can we define that lifestyle? But like, that's what I think, you know, this, this big surge, which, you know, I don't know. I mean, let's give Sitka credit for it back in 05, I guess. But like starting that uh, approach where it's like, technical performance and like you don't have to uh you know give up capability just because you're hunting and like the fitness craze that followed that for hunting and then the technical aspect of everything that came with it which is not just you know the the clothing but but the boots and then our our interaction is a hunting industry you know some of the stuff out in your warehouse like that's a lot of stuff from that general outdoor industry that's like really uh, badass stuff for like lot. the backpacker, yeah. the climber, right? And all that's being rolled up and integrated and like how has that helped us? And like it's defined this this year-round lifestyle now mm -hmm. that more and more people, you know, are kind of coming into the web of that and they're like, oh, you mean I can backcountry ski in the winter and I can... Uh, fly fish in the summer or backpack and then I can put a bow or rifle in my hand and in September and October like go and hunt and yeah. fill my freezer with meat and then the whole thing's circular I'm like yeah man like and full so on lifestyle it's a full on lifestyle it's not just you know yeah. no offense but like I think I think shotguns where I grew up shotgun season was five days in Ohio <laughs> for deer okay yeah. That ain't a lifestyle. Nope, that's, that's an activity. That's it's not days. like that anymore, right? Because if that is what, and I don't, I don't know if it is or not, in Ohio, like you're going to Illinois, you're going, to, you're going out west. Like this is a thing now. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so to help all of us, like I think what you guys are doing here, right? Not to blow smoke up your guys' ass either, but you know what Gohan is doing. I told you this, like it's an amazing platform, right? It's an amazing thing, the resource you guys have. And you know what? I, and I've been accused of this and I'll, I'll own it, but I think you guys are as well. We're all passionate mm -hmm. about what we're doing. And I had a, a guy who I consider a mentor and I'm not saying he gave me bad advice, but when I was retiring and I was asking around, he works in the outdoor industry and he goes, man, he goes, if you're looking for a job that's got passion, he goes, I think you're going to be disappointed. And you know what I told him? Cause you know, I was, passionate yeah. you got to be bought in being in the military for so long and i said well you know what tim i said i appreciate that advice but i'm gonna I, but i said if that's true i'm gonna keep looking until i find it mm -hmm. and i found it yeah. right and when you have that it's pretty cool and yeah. you know what i think it it comes across in like what you guys are doing and what i'm doing and like it it gets people interested and go yeah this is a really cool thing mm -hmm. yeah. it's, really it's hard it hurts it's not easy but it's a cool thing Yep. And it's a lifestyle. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I would say some of the best lessons I've learned, I mean, I'm not particularly re religious, but, you know, as far as spirit being connected to something, I would say that I've felt it the most in, in hunting and the outdoors. So this and last it, winter, I, I agree, this last mm -hmm. winter, right, really tough winter. Yeah. And, you know, I, I told you I can 
yeah, I got animals moving across yep. property and stuff. But like when I'm inside cozy and warm and like it's a raging blizzard, like because I'm out there with those animals, because I care about them, because I, I appreciate that environment they live in, like, aren't you think like I yeah. think about them. I like I yeah. feel like I feel empathy for them. Yeah, I'm okay. like, God, those poor bastards. Yeah, like, you're they got there all the time. Get, you know? You're connected. And like to you're them. so connected to them. It's like I can't wait to get back out there and like see how they're doing right or mm -hmm. or take take stock of them not not just because i want to find a big bull or whatever and and try to hunt them because i care about that that ecosystem a, a lot of it's just in the fascination of of this just this natural world you it's know just, just to see how this thing is moving and you know progressing through this environment and how it lives there and transitions from winter to summer and spring and you know they raise calves and like you know you have a lead cow you could die i mean all that's so fascinating and so yeah. interesting and it's going on out there if yeah. you know it or not yeah 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 and i don't know if everybody feels that but i know i certainly do yeah. you know i i mean yeah. an antler growing and you know it's that thing completely you know shedding and the, the whole process of you know the enzymes eating that little burr away between the pedicle and the antler dropping off like there's just all this stuff i find so so just fascinating it's like you just said a lot interesting like being a student of the game yeah, it's I, like, I, yeah learning all that stuff it's like all part of it and it's like makes you more connected to it like i just feel as connected as i ever do you know in any part of my adult life yeah you know when i'm out yeah. there so i and, and yeah passion i guess you call it passion it's it's just the way i feel about it but do you have uh we'll, we'll switch gears just real quick but do you have uh do you have anything in the works that you want to break and give us any news any anything leak a little tidbit do you have any new products this, this year anything that you've been working on that you're like particularly i do uh and i, I, and I don't and know I how brought, much you can say and i but, brought some to show you guys okay. and, and maybe do some videos on later but uh, i can't i can't mention it because hopefully this sure launches yeah before i want to say mid-july mm -hmm. is when those come out but, okay but, but yeah some exciting things so though. mid july though you do have some new stuff yeah coming. mid july yep um launch that that mountain evo jacket in spring mm -hmm. um we'll talk about that again in in fall for sure i think it it spring wasn't maybe in hindsight the my best idea but um but yeah definitely have some things some coming out this fall that are, you know, I'm pretty excited about. Obviously, we, you know, we work so many years in advance. I mean, just to give you an idea, I always like to tell people this, but um, so I think, uh, I almost said it. Uh, I think what's coming out, if you talk to me long enough, it'll happen. But, Let's keep going. Um, but, I think, but I think what what's coming out this year, you know, I've hunted in a version of that for, you know, the last two years. Okay. And then, you know, I've got briefs written, you know, design briefs, blah, blah, blah. Like I've got design briefs written and, and engaging with the team all the way out through fall 26. That's crazy. Like <laughs> to keep all that in your head, like you're already you're That's why something. if you talk to me long enough, I'll spill the beans on something. Years. Yeah. And you already moved on to something else, but wow. Well, that, that's the thing, right? So, so what's launching here this year, like the Mountain Evo jacket, right? That will launch in April, I guess, uh, or May. But like I've got three or four iterations of that. And I've got pictures of me like hunting or skiing in that like almost three years ago, I think, <laughs> right? And, and you know, just not, not, not that what back then is what came to yep. commercialization, but, but a version of that, like the concept, right? And so, yeah, it's kind of, and listen, not all of them make it. Like some yeah. of them are like, yeah, this, 
thought this was a good idea, but yeah. maybe not so much. Or Do you have a favorite piece from your time at Sitka that you developed that you're like, this is a staple? It's just like, I absolutely crushed it. This is my favorite. Yeah. Um, to, to, to me, it's, I, I, I thought I had to think about it, but I didn't. To, to me, it's the ambient hoodie. Yeah. That piece, so, yeah. So the ambient hoodie came out last year, right? And That is a good that's uh, prior to that, like the the, the kind of the um, the the predecessor, I guess, to that would be the Kelvin. It was a Kelvin active, active jacket, Kelvin <laughs> active hoodie, right? And then eventually we got to the ambient, which is kind of an evolution of that. But you know, it's this it's this what I call active hybrid insulation. So the active part is that you put it on when it's cool and you need a little bit of insulation while you're moving right mm -hmm. so you want it to insulate but you also want it to breathe really well yep and so at its base level heavyweight fleece is an active insulation piece but what like a heavyweight fleece lacks is durability maybe adaptability of the environment so like if it you know little drizzle or snow like it's going to absorb the moisture a mm -hmm. lot of times right That's which heavy. is not a huge <laughs> deal yeah but Anyways, the hybrid part of the ambient is this, you know, super lightweight face textile mm -hmm. that like sheds that precipitation is a little more durable. And so that combination, like the temperature range you can wear that in is just insane. Yeah. And, you know, so I'll, I'll give you an example. So that launched, was it launched last year, mm -hmm. I guess? Yep. So, yeah. So two seasons prior to that, and I've got it. Well, John Dudley posted the picture unbeknownst to me, and it was my fault, but I was hunting Iowa that year and I had the very first proto of the ambient hoodie and it was in open country and it had almost a burnt orange interior Okay. because sometimes you can't, yeah, but I love the piece so much and I'm like, perfect opportunity. I thought it could be more than a big game piece. And so I wore it whitetail hunting and that evening I was riding an e-bike to my stand. So I had some bibs on and then I had that thing. And I didn't need any more insulation. And anyways, the deer came in at last light. I ended up killing my Iowa buck wearing the first proto of the ambient mm. hoodie. Wait till dark, ride back to the house. Uh, the guy I was with, he, you know, D Dudley wanted to come and track. So anyways, we did. We found my deer in the woods and John shot some pictures and posted it on Instagram, mm. like immediately. And I'm like, oh my God, like you can't do that. And nobody ever, like, no and people on. are so perceptive, yeah. but oh, nobody yeah, ever sure. caught it. And so I went back and looked, and it's still there, but it's like, that was the first proto. Yeah. I basically lived in that piece in a state I won't mention, but I was hunting mule there in some nasty environment this last year. And that, like you said, you can hike around with it all day. Yeah. Took out to Tajikistan as well. Like, it's a yeah. phenomenal uh, to piece To me, it's like, it's, yeah, so that that's my favorite piece. And we're even evolving that a little bit and building out that ambient platform mm -hmm. a bit. I'll, I'll give you a little, you know, I'll just Ooh, you give you a little, first. little tease mm. there. Yeah, you have heard that here first. And, you know, the, the face fabric we're, we're trying to make as light, but just a little more durable. Um, but it's constantly, like, that's the cool thing. It's yeah. like, we're never done. Like, that launch last year, I've already got, you know, up not updated but just evolved protos of that yeah. where i'm like oh let's try this let's yeah. try that um but yeah that ambient to me and i i don't think people know about it enough to fully appreciate like because it's kind of new mm -hmm. yeah i'd agree and i won't go down the rabbit hole of you know what other brands are saying about their product that i think i'm not saying they're doing it on purpose but it clouds the it it, it confuses the consumer at some regard because they're not using the same language across the board 
Um, but yeah, that active insulation piece or active hybrid insulation piece is just, I think it's a game changer for people if, you they, have one? if they try it. Love it. Yep. Do you have, yeah, what's a product for you from, from Sitka's lineup? I'm curious, like, do you have one that's just your absolute jam that you love? I mean, the Kelvin light down three quarter, three quarter down. Oh, down. really? I really love those. Like, honestly do. I wear Did them all the time hunt? just to save a little bit <laughs> extra weight. The down yeah. pant? Yeah. Yeah. But the top's amazing. The, the three quarter. Is the apex pant yours? Did you do that yep. one? I love that pant. Yep. I think it's the best bow hunting pant there is. Super soft. I mean, quiet, moves with you. I love that pant. I'd, I'd say the mountain pant if I was thinking pants. Yeah. You, you wear the mountain pant. I, like the, I love the yeah. mountain pant. Especially I like the ascent pant a lot too. Yeah, and, I wear the, the ascent apex. pant quite a bit or the apex. Yeah. Yeah, for what I do and where I do it. Yeah. Yeah, I love that pant. I don't, I mean, it just fits good. It breathes. I mean, it's soft. I love that pant. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, good, man. Anything else you wanted to ask? No, we've I think kept, I think we've we kept got John for two hours. Yeah, we got camera warning that we're getting overheating. <laughs> we're overheating. So, oh, did we get a camera warning? Yeah, I no. just don't pay attention to Cody. Just put him. Yeah, yeah. but but I want to say though too, like if you're not following John on Instagram, you need to be. Your reels you post, the information like based stuff is like super gold. And I really appreciate all that. And yeah, definitely well, check out you know, Knowledge it. from Storms. Like, yeah, you your website's good content Knowledge there. from Storms. Yep. And then your blog post things you do on there are really in-depth, too, by the way. Like, they're lengthy. And they're, they're good information. At, I was looking at it the other day, and I thought, man, there's... He, I put a lot he, of he time... He gives away in, a lot. <laughs> I put a lot of time into that newsletter, and I try to give people, like, next-level information they're not going to... Yeah. I appreciated when I got it, and I think it could help people. Yeah. So, yeah, I try to go a little deep there. More specific than I do on the Instagram stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, it's really good stuff. You guys definitely need to check that out. We appreciate you coming yeah, all the way to Vegas. Thanks for inviting me. Like I said, this and Rogan's, and I can check this you can off. Check, I only, check it off. I, only, <laughs> I don't know if we're going to have We only got one left. One left. Well, we'll, we'll see you can die. You made it. The and Big Hunt Guys die. podcast. Yeah. yeah. No, I appreciate you guys having me down, man. <laughs>